1: Thank <laughs> you.
2: Again fellow basement dwellers this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into the season premiere of season 2 of Bandwagon Nerds as Dave Ungar has been saying on the Twitter every time he puts over this this upcoming show and this is a uh, this, is, this is a big time show everybody I'm very very excited today because to kick off our second year on the bandwagon we go, we're going to talk Star Wars nothing but Star Wars we're going to fight about Star Wars. Poor Ray is going to be caught in the middle here as Dave and I have it out. And, and yeah, let's just, let's, let's bring, let's bring everybody in. Let's get this thing rolling. David Ungar, how are you doing? Are you ready to go toe to toe and be talked about, about how wrong you are about everything Star Wars?
1: Oh yeah, of course. Absolutely. Ready, ready, willing, and able just to, uh, just see all the wrong opinions coming out on your side of the, the fence, but but I know I got I Ray. Mean, I got Ray to kind of, sort of, maybe back me up. So
3: we'll see.
2: <laughs> so, so Ray, I gotta ask this question. In all honesty, how are you feeling right now, walking into this? This is a year in the making.
3: You want to know what I feel like?
2: Yeah, like how are you feeling I, coming into this show?
3: I feel like my two dads are trying to uh, convince me which of who to go live with in the
2: custody <laughs> battle. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> I'm excited
3: That's though. I am excited because I have heard so much of the controversies and the arguments between you two. I have seen them. I've been a part of them. I've realized how big this has been and how looming this has been. So I'm excited to sit back and pull a tunny and be a spectator and listen. Well, it's I mean that, that with you, all the most respect.
2: It's funny that you mentioned that because, as usual, we do have our good friend PC Tunny here uh, to join us for the show and talk a little Mandalorian. And he is our I, He made a joke right before the show Came on that I'm totally going to steal He said I'm going to be your, your your studio audience And so from now on I'm going to introduce Bandwagon Nerds As such Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience There it is And welcome welcome back to the show Mr. PC Tunney, how you doing? Woo-hoo!
4: feeling scandalous <laughs> as ever
2: <laughs> scandalous that's that that was like the uh what was it was it kelly what was, what was her name for mary from married with children uh, not kelly uh, christina applegate's character but i can't remember what her I think it was character. kelly wasn't it
3: was it kelly kelly Bundy, yeah yeah Bundy. Yeah, yeah i just do
2: i know she would walk in and you would get the woo's every time and that was and that was the thing so so tony i know you're going to be the studio audience but how ready are you to be wrong? Are, are, are you willing to agree with me that Dave is wrong on everything? I guess we're
3: just going to have to wait and see, aren't we?
2: No, because Dave is going to be wrong on everything. I mean, he <laughs> just is.
3: <laughs> you out there on the island, big dog. You might no, have No, I, I am confident
2: not. in my takes. That's All I am is confident in my takes. Just like I know Zack Snyder is trash. Just like I know I get to break down the rise of Skywalker and why it's the worst movie ever. Just like I get to break down how Dave is just a suckhole of ignorance when it comes to this film. And then we'll the, talk about star Wars.
1: The darkness is strong with this one day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let the hate flow through you a little bit.
2: Yes. 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 We, uh, we obviously we're going to spend most of the second half of the show today talking about star Wars. That's, that's the whole point, but we are going to break down. And, and for the first time, we don't have a list looming in the back to really bug us for, uh, for kind of time constraints, as the list shows, as as we've always talked about, and last year with the one year anniversary show was a lot of fun. By the way, uh, talk. Glad that I got my microphone back because I sounded like the drive-through speaker at a broken-down White Castle. Wow! Just yeah, yeah. As,
4: like the Dennis really Leary specific. bit.
2: Right. The voice box thing where... Yeah. Oh, I have
4: a cheeseburger. What's that? That's a cheeseburger. Are you making fun of me? No, I'm Stop not making, making fun I'm of me. you.
2: I, I what is it? The the dog, the dog gag in that where he's talking about like they're introducing the family full of voice boxes and there's a dog who's like arm, 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 arm. <laughs> that's that's the best shit. No cure for cancer is the name of that stand-up routine, by the way. It's available both in video and CD, and I strongly recommend you all watch it cd god that shows how old i am i'm sure you can download it uh, digitally as well at, at this point in 2020
1: i would hope so yeah greg made the comment that uh after after i spent a lot of time running that through multiple filters he goes well i guess a it was
2: not as powerful as we hoped it would be as like i tried well, <laughs> and i talked to i talked to greg about it like i warned him ahead of time that i warned him ahead of time And I was like, dude, I forgot my microphone. You know, I got a note in the middle of the show uh, just giving me some feedback to try and like bring my voice down a little bit just because of of the volume and what was happening. So I tried to do that, but that was a that was a tough three hours to listen to. So noble listener, if you made it through those three hours of listening to me sound like a drive through, uh, a bad drive through at uh, White Castle, kudos to you. uh, And thank you for listening uh, to our one year anniversary show. And hopefully I never do that again.
1: As Greg said, at least it was uh, audible. So
2: you know there yeah, was that. Like if, it, if it had been a complete wash, that would have been really embarrassing, and hey, we hey, would
3: you have. To know, do you, you know that could be a reoccurring bit. Oh well, Pat forgot his microphone again.
2: Don't I have enough bits? Like Pat forgets the order drink. Pat doesn't <laughs> I tell remember. you after this
1: episode, Ray. When they listen to Patrick's bullshit opinions about Star Wars, they may hope for his microphone to cut out again. So.
5: Patrick, the, Patrick
2: rips on Zack Snyder drink, Patrick rips on the Rise of Skywalker drink. In fact, I have all the bits on this show. Patrick makes fun of Dave's bald spot drink, like, it's all me. Where are your bits, Dave? Like, Ray, Ray's, Ray's still finding I, his voice. I don't need
1: them, man. No. I mean, everything that goes wrong with you is like cataclysmic, like your basement flooding and shit like that, so That's I don't. True. I, I don't need bits, I just let you sabotage yourself, so...
2: I, I'm really good at self- sabotaging. So I can I can get behind that. but let's um, yeah, we're gonna talk nothing but Mandalorian season two episode three. Probably this is the episode i I know I've been waiting for. so I, and I, I'm not sure how the rest of you feel. I feel like it's been this it's the strongest episode we've gotten so far. There are still some quibbles I have, but the the quibbles were felt a little less than they have in the first two episodes, if that makes sense. And I I shared a paragraph with you. I'm just going to get the the problem I have so far with this season out of the way. I shared a paragraph with you in a review from my favorite nerd site, io9, where the episode was described as kind of like a video game storytelling device in that in order what was it in order to get to your goal you you have to go through another thing what is it oh here it is the heiress was awesome but it also makes three episodes out of three this season where mando wants something and has to go off on a side quest that will provide him with a new piece of information for the main quest the structure is very very video gamey and it works but three episodes in a row plus a few last year is getting slightly repetitive i think that sums up Ultimately, what my problem has been when I've complained and said that a show is okay or met, because it's such a it's such a a flat storytelling device that that is made the, the side quest is just not felt important. And today, or this week, I'm sorry, on Friday, I do feel like the side quest was much more consequential and was much more interesting based on who was involved in that side quest. So that's, I guess that's my initial thought. That's my one downer about the episode in, in terms of my review. Loved the episode. Want to just get that out of the way. Loved the episode very much. But what about you guys? Well, Dave, what did you think?
1: Well, I mean, with all due respect to io9, I, I think it's premature to label anything a side quest as opposed to the main quest because we don't know. You know, you don't know is is all this stuff with these new breed of Mandalorian. Is that really a side quest? I I don't know. I, I I don't 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 think think he's talking
2: about, I don't think he's talking about the Mandalorians themselves. I'm talking, I think what they're talking about is the thing you got to do for the Mandalorians to do the, to, to get the information from the Mandalorians. You know what I mean? Like that's basically he's
3: asking, he needs something. He can't get it unless they, they scratch it. He scratches their back and then like, Oh, well, this is what you need to move on to the next episode. Yeah.
1: Well, they're, God forbid, they're doing some long-term building here. I know we're all wrestling fans and podcasters, but you don't want them to just jump. Here we go. Episode two, here's Ahsoka Tano right here. You know, I, I like Is the fact out? that they're building they're building something up and they're introducing, I mean, I, I love the episode. I mean, it's shockingly short. You know, I saw 35 minutes. It's like, wow, that's shockingly short. Uh, and they packed a lot into those 35 minutes. I mean, you've got the big introduction of Bo-Katan, you... Get some backstory. There's, okay, somehow Moff Gideon got the dark saber from her, which raises all sorts of questions, and now you know for sure that Mando's on his way to Ahsoka Tano, which is massive to anybody who's watched Clone Wars or Rebels, that that iconic character is going to get introduced in this. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get what they're saying, but it's to me it's like, well, I don't know if it's really a side quest, or this is just a a, a different part of the main quest, or... But I don't I don't really have a problem with Star Wars stuff being structured after video games. I mean, it is kind of like a live action video game in many ways.
3: And 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 to to back up Dave's point because I your point Patrick is valid in that that is how it's set up, but I think and yet that's the way wrong. it needs to be. <laughs> No, I think <laughs> that's the way it needs to be. Because again, we're looking you have to look at it from the structure, not from the structure of how you want the show to be from but from the structure of how the show has been Right. And if we're looking at if we're looking at this way, the structure of the show has been and the entire point of this season, Mando is on a quest to fulfill something. Right. He has he doesn't know his people, doesn't even know if he has any people left. He doesn't know what he's where he's going. He doesn't know what he's doing. So what else would he be doing but trying to figure out how to get there? right and it doesn't make sense in this world that we've been lo- that we've known for the past 30 40 years in Star Wars lore for them to be like oh yeah you go there nobody does anything for free and I, now i feel
2: like, i feel like this is getting misrepresented a little bit here it's not so much that they're using that as a storytelling device It's that it's been a pretty significant and only story it's the only storytelling device they've used in three episodes so far and that's redundant. Like you could go through and do a discovery of the other Mandalorians, and, and this whole story could have been told in such a way, to where it doesn't feel like, oh, okay, go rob this ship. Like you could have Mando being manipulated all along without being like, you have to do the, you have to do this for us before we'll give you information. That's that's my thing. Like rather than have it be sort of just out and out like, do this thing with us or for us to get your your whatever having him be caught up with them and struggling with his identity, which I know we're going to talk about as we kind of dive in this a little more. It just doesn't always, it just doesn't feel as organic when you do it all the time. And we've gone three straight episodes in this new season where every single thing has been, you got to do this thing for us before we'll give you the nugget of information that we have for you. That's, that's what I'm saying here is it's not that it's necessarily a bad device is that so far this season, it's been the only device. And I guess I'd just like to see a different technique. I don't know. I just feel like like they're world building to
1: a bigger world is what it feels like to me. And, And I know I get what you're saying. And yeah, like Ray says, there's validity to your point that it's like, do this for me, and I'll let you know what's the next step on your quest. And I get that. But at the same time, they seem to just be building to something
2: bigger. I mean, I'm really worried that at some point he's going to run into somebody and they're going to be like, I need to catch four fairies with three jars. Can you go get these three jars and collect them?
4: Tony, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I
3: agree,
4: I, I agree I'm just, with Dave. I'm just, okay? First of all, you mentioned the, the episode being short, and I actually seen that it was going to be that short before I started watching, watched it, was kind of disappointed in the length, but then went back and looked at the episodes from last year.
2: Yeah, it's three doing, or four.
4: It's three or four. Half of the season last year was under thirty six minutes, thirty seven right, minutes. Right. So that's just kind of something to remember. I believe I was the one that said this is setting up like a video game last week. So maybe your favorite publication is listening to this show. Um, <laughs> and and what isn't the job of a Mandalorian, the life of a Mandalorian, but to take side gigs and make money and do different things ooh, like that? Ooh. I mean, it it really mm. feels like you know this is a more of a chapter driven show. So. I, I'm okay with it. I understand where you're coming from, but I also get at the same time, if there were too many story, arc, story arcs that were long-lasting, like four or five episodes inside of one season, how many different storylines are you going to have? It's only eight chapters long.
3: And one more point. The side gigs the uh, weren't necessary in one and two necessarily. In one, he did not have to go help the, the marshal. He only did it because he wanted the Mandalorian's armor. That wasn't something he had to do. He chose to do that. In In the second one, he didn't have to help the Frog Lady. He chose to help the Frog Lady only because he thought she could give him some help, but he didn't know. Like this is the only episode he had to do something because he was guaranteed to get good information. So yes, it's all this. It's all as eventually, if you're looking at it from a macro point of view, the same thing. But it's really very strategically different in the way it's been going gone about in the past three three episodes.
2: And again, <laughs> this
3: I'm is how say- this is gonna go today, y'all.
2: No, I'm saying that you can tell that story and you can do that side quest without it feeling. And this, and, and I, clearly, this is just me. Clearly, I, I am the one who is hung up on this this storytelling device. I just think that there, there is a more organic sort of way that you can tell an isolated chapter in a story, without it seemingly always having to be to get nugget of information. I'm going to tell Mando, you must do this for me. Like in the midst of his travels, he could. I just feel like there's a more that that you can do it in a more organic way that you don't have to do it that way every time. Cause everybody's leveraging a piece of information for a side quest or what I'm calling a side quest. And that, that to me, it gets it sort of feel now, all of that aside, we have opened up a whole new universe for our, our main character here because his whole worldview was challenged in this episode by meeting, uh, and I always get her name wrong. Was it Bo Katan? Bo Katan. Bo Katan. Who basically pointed out that, you know, Mando's way of understanding the Mandalorian, this is the way, might not actually be the way. Yeah.
1: He was basically that. told that he's a uh, member of a cult, essentially, who. Right. And that's not really the way of the Mandalorian. Now he's questioning his own, you know, Okay, is is that true? I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of time to mull it over, but it does raise some interesting concepts as to what is a Mandalorian, and and he's got to face that. And and so, yeah, I mean that was that was cool. And hey, Sasha Banks showed up. Uh, I know she used her real name or whatever the hell her real name is, but I thought she was uh she was pretty good. And uh, yeah, I mean it was it was a cool story. I mean it's and it, it just the tying in. The Moff Gideon stuff and actually learning that the remnants of the Empire are much more organized than I think I thought they were that, hey, they've still got ships. They've still got a command, uh, you know, some kind of structure, that sort of thing. I I, and and I guess it's right. I mean, and maybe this is how the first order starts to get formed, you know, and and I don't know. But it it really did introduce a lot of new elements that are going to be hugely important moving forward
3: the Empire got a whole fleet, multiple fleets actually yeah. Well, um, go ahead Right. no no go ahead oh uh, so I, I want to speak about the about Mando finding out the truth about the Mandalorians, I've always wondered again and I'm coming into this with right quote unquote, I'm coming into this with the least amount of knowledge as you guys of, of these things especially of these secondary and tertiary characters like the Mandalorians are and things of that nature right and the thing that I found interesting was that Mando was not born on the on the the planet of Mandalore, right? He was he was brought in because he was protected by some of the people on Man, on on Mandalore in the big war with I believe it was a Jedi, right, or whoever it was.
2: Yes, Man, okay. Uh, just... Well, and Mandalore was taken over by the Empire.
3: By the Empire, thank you. I'm ch- I'm trying to forgive me for not having it perfectly right. But right. The thing that made me wonder was. When he talked, when he explained that uh, the very first time and he was talking about it, I it always made me want. And then it was it was brought to our attention on the show that Mandalorians are not a race. It's a creed. Almost something inside of me said, no, that's BS, bro. That, that, it doesn't make sense for the, 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 the world to be called Mandalore. But people from Mandalore aren't Mandalorians. It made that, that was interesting to me. That made me wonder. Also, when you see the big war on the country of Mandalore, all the people running around don't have helmets on. They're not all of the same ilk. So, to my ignorant mindset, when Bo Katan took her helmet off, that makes me believe, I believe instantly, they are the original Mandalorians. And he is of a new ilk that was created based off of like, exactly like she said, after the war, trying to bring back the glory days, almost a general Zod esque style. Grouping well, the, of them the new, trying to bring back the glory.
4: The Mandalorians that we just got introduced to the new style Mandalorians already admitted that that's the ancient way. So at some point in time, that was the way, right? But as life mm-hmm. evolves, so does star Wars. So does the Mandalorians, but there's already been admittance to that is the original way of Mandalorians and Mandalore.
2: Right. Tony, Tony nailed it on the head there. What um, I, I hate to be that that guy go all political on this, but it really reminded me of. No, it reminds me of those people who are like, I want to go back to life in the 50s or I want to go back to life in the 30s. I want to go the life the way it used to be like that's what fringe groups like that's what one of the biggest fringe groups that we deal with right now are are people who don't want to embrace change that believe that change got them into a bad place and want to go back to the way things were now this is an extreme like fringe like it's they they make it very clear this is a fringe group of of mandalorians and i was trying to go back and look at what they what the name of that fringe group was called because again as we talk about this, Patrick forgets the names of things from the show drink. What that that group group.
1: Mandalorian? The the one that, yeah, the Mandalorian. Oh, children of the watch. Isn't that what she said?
2: Children of the watch. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Um, Like they're, they're like, we want to go back to an, and a different time, a simpler time where nobody takes their helmets off.
3: Yeah. That's simple, right? That's simple.
2: Right. no, no helmet, no service.
3: The cool thing, though, was at the end of it, you could see he garnered respect and realized we're all the same people, even if I we don't we didn't agree on the initial creed. Because and again, I, I, I openly admit I'm the least knowledgeable of this. But the one thing I've noticed is that this is the way that's that like that's that's like the the secret handshake in a fraternity. Like, you don't just rock that with nobody. Well, and when. Right.
1: Right. I mean, you you raise a good point. I mean, at the end, they kind of all respect each other because, like, Bo-Katan kind of bitches Mando down at the beginning where he's like, where did you get that armor? And she's like, it's been in my generation for three, or it's been in my family for three generations, bitch. And that immediately gets his attention. Like, okay, so this isn't... uh... Hold on a sec. Uh, Just the fact that, you know, I think she earns his respect immediately because he realizes it's not like the marshal who bought... Boba Fett's armor off a bunch of Jawas this has been in her family and you presume the other two in their families for a long time so it immediately gets his attention like as much as he and you can see that that sliver of doubt even though you can't see his face you can just tell that he's like hey wait a second maybe there's something to this and I think ultimately that's why he decides to jump in there and help them because he realizes we may kind of not have the same ideals but we're the same people and uh and you know off off you go
4: a little bit of a backstory for like mandalorian like history as far as their alli- allegiance to either the sith or the jedi they've they've more aligned with the sith but are always willing to work with the jedi they are more their values are more in line with the jedi it's just that you know they're kind of one of those people where you know my enemy of my enemy is my friend and they just kind of work with what they're given.
1: Yeah. And they've traditionally been more classified as mercenaries than aligned with any particular group more than the other one. But like Tony's saying, they've traditionally been more Sith friendly, I would say. And,
4: and to me, that's what makes the, you know, short storytelling version of what they're doing. Patrick seem a little bit more sensible because that's kind of the history of the Mandalorian is not to really choose sides, but just to, Go off and help somebody for a cost and make some money and kind of, you know, restore a little bit of order along the way.
2: I mean, okay. <laughs> I'll, hey, I'll be that's on my spots. We've gotten out of you yet. I'll, I'll be on my island. It's fine. I'm I'm fine with it.
4: <laughs> He's like, I'm tired of arguing with you, idiots.
2: <laughs> no, nah, I, I mean, you're all wrong. It's it
4: it. like, no, but you're all wrong. By the way, uh, I,
2: mean, I mean, every, every time, time I've time spotted I've something spotted about this, something about this. Everybody's been Everybody's like, been "I like, hear what I you're, hear you're saying," but so you know, there you go. Get used to it. No, I'm, I'm used to it. boo this man. Okay, and the live studio audience is not feeling me today. You told them to boo you. What do you want? I, from I them? know. I get. I get it. I get it. <laughs> we, we got. We got producers holding up cue cards for the audience. We got the whole deal. So I love it. Here's. Here's one of my favorite things. This has nothing to do with actually what happened in the episode, but can we just laugh for a minute at all the Sasha the Sasha Bank stands that were like somehow pissed that she wasn't either a Jedi or in the episode talking enough? Oh, right, she had three lines. Thank you, audience. All three, all three lines, or something like that. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't have much.
3: But she did have maybe the coolest part of the whole mo- of the whole episode when she went and killed the uh, when the the thing that ate the child. She went down there yeah. and like blasted yeah, the shit it. out of it. That was probably the coolest part of the whole episode to me. I thought it was perfect.
2: Oh yeah, totally. I'm, I'm why, to why
4: she she wasn't at risk in any way? She looked great. You know, the she 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 teased Baby Yoda at the dinner table, right? That was funny and simple and easy. She looked badass as hell, like you said, saving the baby. It was perfect. This is just the beginning for her. She's got a great look. That, that's, I mean, it was, a, it was a limited yet visible role. I said something like that yeah, on Twitter.
1: Right. Wrestling fans don't need to get their panties in an uproar that, oh, Sasha Banks wasn't the center of fucking attention. She's not the center of this story. She's one of several.
2: So well, and here's the thing. Get over it. I don't I don't think this is the last we're going to see Not of a these chance. characters. Not a chance. This is the first time where I'm like, I don't know that this is a one-off. If for no other reason than Bo is trying to find the Darksaber. We finally had the Darksaber re-brought up in this show. And called it by name. Because this is the first time it's been called by name on the show. Like, we just saw it at the end of the first season. Now it has a name.
1: Bo's too important a character to just have this right. be a one-off.
2: I, I can't
1: see. I, which I mean, means she's which too, means that
2: Her, her two partners are going to be with her. Sure,
1: too. yeah. I mean, she's and and the fact that the dark sabers involved is going to be a, a a that I could see as a integral side quest, but you know, one that you may not see a whole lot of until it all comes to fruition. So, yeah, I mean, Sasha was there. It, it it's like I know I talked to some people who actually thought like that was Ahsoka Tano watching. Uh, Mando from the no, shadows yeah, but, right. but it was that but that was Sasha know. because it's like right. well that's how she found him she was trailing him and that's how they found out she was there so it's not it's not Rosario well, Dawson well, let's, but... let's
2: talk let's talk about the head fake can we can we just talk about the head fake because in the trailer why does everybody assume that she was a Jedi right because of the trailer because oh, she disappeared. she's yeah. wearing yeah, the, she a she's wearing a tunny, hey, hoodie, a tunny and, hoodie and if the, and if there is a Star Wars lore thing that we got going what did Jedi's wear Dark dark side, light side, don't matter.
1: They all wear hoodies, apparently. Cloaks. Well, ro- I guess robes with hoods. Ropes yeah. With, yeah, cloaks. We'll call it.
2: Cloaks. <laughs> but, uh, so,
1: I mean, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I was, I was totally happy with it. You got to talk about where they're going now. And, and the major reveal without the character reveal. Go ahead, Ray. I don't want to jump to the end. But, I mean, that's the biggest aspect of the episode to me.
3: Well, that's what I was going to ask. Are you talking about Moff Gideon? No. Uh You talking about somebody? Okay. Well, my well, my my, I was gonna ask. um, Maybe I wasn't paying attention, or I missed it. Uh, Did Mando see him talk to Moff Gideon, or did none of them see that? Because Mando thinks Moff Gideon is dead.
2: Right. I don't think Mando saw it. I don't
1: think any of them saw it.
3: Okay. That well, that's interesting to me because like we know he's looming in the background, but it'd be different if they're expecting to see him, or if they he get they get blindsided.
2: No, I think it's. I think we 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 got a dramatic reveal coming with Moff Gideon at some point. By the way, if I if I were to ever become an actor, I want the career of John Esposito, where like I get to be the big bad, but like show up in like three episodes of every series, like just like everybody's scared and respects me, but I only have to work like three times. Fear me, bitches
3: good money
1: whether he's moff gideon or stan edgar you know he's hell he's just yeah badass as can be but um but yeah the uh the aspect of the episode that's really important is the end where he's on his way to see ahsoka and that's mm-hmm. a major 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 reveal as far as the star wars universe and, and where i mean that creates so many options and, and possibilities that and i know we're talking star wars later on and tying in a lot of this stuff but to me anyway this creates at least the possibility that they're going to try and tie bridge in some respect Mandalorian to this sequel trilogy. I don't know how, but the fact that Ahsoka's going to be there it raises some interesting possibilities.
2: Do we know who I'm trying to look right now? Do we know who's directing the next episode? Cuz Bryce Dallas Howard was the uh, was the director of this one. Oh, this is exciting. Carl Weathers is directing the next chapter. Oh shit.
1: That's going to be Gina, interesting.
2: And it looks like as I'm looking at the I'm looking at the IMDb list, uh if this is credited cast that are going to be in there, Cara Dune's going to be back, Gina Carano's character. I see Giancarlo Esposito is also on there, so he's back. Carl Weathers is back. Uh I don't know if this is just this maybe they got Sasha Banks on here too, so maybe she's in this episode i don't know it could just be that these are the people that could be
4: be seeing a change in possession of baby yoda this next episode with all these different factions coming back and possibly crossing paths
2: well and this this that's an interesting question
4: do we really think the man sorry just just to kind of Finish that thought. I am apologize. Yeah. You're probably going yeah. that way. Do we really think that the Mandalorian is going to continue to maintain possession of baby Yoda all the way to its deliverance to the Jedi, to the rightful Jedi that will need it in the right way?
2: Well, and the reason, well, and the reason I was like, that question a... is because I don't know if you were around for the episodes where we talked about, but there was some chatter and some scuttlebutt about Pedro Pascal and his relationship with the showrunners and the way the show was going. And it would be, it would fuel my speculation. If something were to happen to where he has either a diminished or an episode or two day where he's not around. Like, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying that's true. Cause you know, Hollywood rumors are just as reliable as Dave, as Dave Meltzer reports, <laughs> but
3: yeah, nothing as bad as
4: they're trying reports. to. So no, you're trying he, to say we're going to have. So you're trying to say we're going to have an entire episode of The Mandalorian where there's no Mandalorian
2: with a different man. Plans changed, that's, baby. That's plans what. That's changed. what I'm. That's what I'm saying would be an interesting fuel for speculation.
4: Is if if they would would, wouldn't that be really abrupt, though? Considering your entire story for now, eleven chapters has been individual story individual short stories about the mandalorian basically probably like seven or eight individual stories over 11 chapters
2: i'm not saying that it's a thing that is going to happen i'm just saying your your theory would lend itself to rumors that have floated around if that were to happen like if if baby yoda was to end up under the carrot
4: now we can't come back here next week, and if Mandalorian is in the first thirty seconds and the last six and a half minutes of the, of the show, you can't come on here and say "told you so" because he's still on the no, show. No, 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 he's no. completely off the show. Right, I agree. They're
1: not going to do that.
4: I,
5: th-
1: that doesn't make any sense.
4: I think they'd be a lot of balls to do it, I, yeah, and I wouldn't be I'm, upset about it. I tell you what,
1: I, though, just, I'm curious how big a role Ahsoka Tana is going to play in this show because I could see them shifting more towards her because. She's going to see this child and she's immediately going to know what it is. And that's gonna open up a new dynamic. Or or at
2: least feel or at least feel its connection to the force. Well, I I think I think she's gonna
1: realize because I mean where her timeline was, she's Anakin's Padawan. So Yoda was prevalent while she was.
2: No, no, I'm not saying that. as as,
4: As far as the Mandalorian show goes and talking like wrestling fans, the Mandalorian is the face, and anybody against him is the heel. So this new faction of Mandalorians, the New Age Mandalorians, get introduced as faces because they help the Mandalorian. But what if they're actually the heels of the entire story? And
1: that's wrong all along. Are
4: you
2: saying they're the, they're Luger the... Luger to a no,
1: they're the New Age outlaws? Is that what you're saying, oh, Tony?
2: God.
3: Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That was so guitar. Shut yeah, up. I just I think there's
2: up. I think there's a lot of good speculation as to what could happen in this next episode. I think that there's no single actor that has more pressure on them to perform well right now than Rosario Dawson. Yeah, that is true. Because the uh, Ahsoka Ahsoka stands are going to go crazy if she doesn't meet meet their expectations.
1: I am not worried about that at all. I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you, but okay. I think she's going to knock it out of the park.
2: I agree with both of you right there you go like it's a yes it's it's a tall it's a tough order and i mean i think she's a great actress to to take on that order by no stretch of the imagination do i think she's going to fail but then i also look at like social media and you want to talk about some of the worst we talk about like wrestling fans as being bad social media fans the star wars fans are bad social media fans I love that I've gotten Ray on board with this without even telling anybody that I asked Tony to do this before the show. And, and, and yet Ray is now like, yes, holding up the cue cards. I love it. Thank you so much studio audience for participating. So yeah, I just, I, and maybe this is because I was rewatching uh, the last Jedi and Re- uh, rise of Skywalker for this show. And just thinking about how brutal they were to uh, Callie Marie Tran after after The Last Jedi and just straight up cruel they were. Now, I don't think they're going to do that to, to Rosario Dawson so much. I, I don't perceive that as a, as a possibility, but that fan base is is tough. And, and so she's got I think there's a lot of anticipation as to what next week's episode is going to be. And I think it'd be hilarious if we go through this whole episode and we don't see her till like the last two minutes. Hala Luke Skywalker at the end of the force awakens no
1: guarantee we'll see her at all I mean I see they might they might True. string this out for a couple episodes before they do the big reveal but next week's what halfway the midpoint of the yeah. season so eight episodes yeah you got to figure she's going to be there yeah it'll be like at, at the very end like the end of a uh, force awakens It'd be like that's it really but but I mean the thing is that I know a lot of people what I saw on social media were just stoked that seeing Bo-Katan in a uh, in a live action sort of capacity really got a lot of people excited. I expect her to be the same
2: And and played by her voice actress, correct? Yes. Yeah. Like it was the
1: same person that did the yep. voice work for exactly. the for the animated stuff that right. got the player, which I is forget awesome her name. when they I forget can Forget her that. name, but I need. I mean I know it if I heard it. But yeah, right. she was great and um I mean the thing with Rose, I know we're gonna talk about that. I mean it's unfortunate, but she's a new character, so people just shit on somebody that they weren't familiar with and a little different when you've got <laughs> these ones that have, are pretty steeped in star war lore, albeit on the animated side of things, but A real quick question
4: here. Maybe it wraps it up or maybe you got another topic to talk about on this very thing, but I know we're only 11 episodes in season two, episode three. So 11 episodes available to everybody as far as the series goes, but how, how far do you see the series going? And, and I would love for this series to culminate in theaters down the road with you know a, a two and a half hour saga
2: i think that would be cool i would i would hope that this is a I, this is gonna sound bad i hope this would be a limited series to maybe like a three season run with maybe like a culmination of what you're describing tunny because but then again i don't know because this is kind of like the gunsmoke of of sci-fi really like it's a it's a western we talked about this with the first episode even as we kind of go to these different worlds and these different planets the the storytelling is very much like a long-haul sort of western where the journey is always kind of continuing and you know i see a I see a finish line with with the child which to most of us would be the logical conclusion uh and so Yeah, I I think it should be like a three-season run, but if they told the right story and took it in the right direction, maybe it keeps going until they feel like it's done.
4: Do you feel like, though, that Dave, like the the thing, what they're doing with the short storytelling and each chapter, you know, like each side mission being such importance and showing that, that this could possibly be longer, drawn-out kind of series? Because like Patrick, you said... I should maybe or fans should maybe even forget about like a possible movie or maybe there's only movie spin-offs if there's possible characters. But maybe that's the point of this is to drag it out so that you get so much more out of it. This is going to carry Disney plus. Maybe that's more of the point where we can tell all these short stories. We can do all these missions. You know, we can save baby Yoda. Maybe this is seven, eight years. I mean, I
1: feel like they're planning for at least five. I think you hit it on the head. Talking about Disney Plus, this is Disney Plus's cash cow right now. This is all that they've really got that's driving subscriptions to that because until WandaVision comes out, nothing's really happening. And I think as long as the Mandalorian is A popular and B making them money, they're going
2: to keep making it. Right. Well, it
3: is a business. That's the key. That's the key. It's, it's 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 all a money grab. If this keeps making money, they're going to go further and further. And if I'm not mistaken, they already have on the books another three Star Wars movies. So, like, they have to continue with the world.
2: Yeah, they do. I can't remember. It's somebody really exciting um, that's helming it, too. Uh, I'll have to oh, go back oh, and look at some new stuff. Three, but,
3: new, uh,
2: three new Star
1: Wars movies? God, Patrick but, will just have but, so much ammunition. But three, well,
4: here... How would you like them to do that? Would you like hold, them to do a hold trilogy with something? Or hold, a, hold that thought.
2: We're going to tackle this in, oh. after the break. We're going to because I no, I seriously want to tackle that question that Tony was asking. We'll come back from break and we'll get into it with the Star Star Wars universe. So yeah, um, so hold that. Put a pin in it. We'll come back to it. We're going to take a quick break before we go into the commercials. This is my friendly reminder. I forgot to do this at the introduction, but you're listening to bandwagon nerds on the chair shot.com part of the chair radio network. If you love what we're doing, if you love our shows, uh, whether it's this one, our plethora of wrestling podcasts, uh, you know, we've got uh, the DWI podcast. We've got Potters war. We've got um, outsider's edge, all of those wonderful podcasts out there. The Greg DeMarco show, head over to pro wrestling, forward slash the chair shot and support our, website support our network by buying a shirt there's all kinds of terrific uh, options out there for multiple shows that we that we put on whether it's bandwagon nerds winner is you there's just the chairshot.com shirts hashtag save tag team wrestling uh just all kinds of great great stuff and we really really appreciate all the support that you all can give us Uh, remember you can buy a standard t-shirt or if you're feeling fancy you can go soft style uh, it's just a few dollars more. Feels all wonderful and is apparently the preferred style of Miranda Morales, the queen of soft style. Once again, that is Pro Wrestling Tees forward slash The Chair Shot. Check us out, buy a shirt, support our shows. When we come back, we are going to talk nothing but Star Wars and David Patrick might get into a fight. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on The Chairshot.com.
3: Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.
2: TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right. Welcome back. We are gonna get back into this right away. So I told you guys before the break. Oh, Ray's got a hand up. Yes, yes. Ray. I
3: I'm, I I I don't want to break protocol. I apologize, but you're fine. Uh, oh, all right. <sighs> uh, no, s- since I'm supposed to be a de facto referee of sorts, I'd like to do like a, a wrestling introduction, if you don't mind.
2: Oh, okay. So
3: is that okay? Go, go for it. Yeah. I, does anybody have the ding ding like the boxing bell we need dp, I think, I think Where's DP? He just walked away from <laughs> oh,
1: well, well, we need well, dp yeah, well, for well, that
3: <laughs> oh, wait,
1: tony. <laughs> oh you, got, you got it you got it tony do you have the dp ring the bell you got that nope he doesn't have it
3: oh, okay now
2: now, wait, now wait, when wait. i when i beat dave into a bloody pulp does anybody have throw the damn towel from rocky three ready to go <laughs> Uh, you, mean, you mean
1: from Rocky Four? You're off to a good start, Patrick. Oh,
2: Four? No, it was... Oh, this is fantastic. No, it was Four. You're right. Fucking Russians. All
3: right. All right. you win this one, Unger. Ladies and gentlemen, the main event of the evening, fighting out of the West Coast corner, coming. F- I'm not going to tell where you live, but coming from California, the the angry lawyer, the attitude of aggression, Mr. Dave Ungar. (laughs) Fighting out of the East Coast corner in Massachusetts by way of Illinois. The self-proclaimed king of the nerds, Patrick Oh,
5: down!
2: Your referee, Your referee for the evening.
3: referee for the evening, Raymond Cassington Esquire.
1: So I guess Patrick's the heel. Is that what we're doing? Here? And
2: so again, I got I got the heat. I got that. It's not that go home heat either, man. Like that's don't go, no go, go away heat.
3: Patrick is the type of heel like Floyd Mayweather wearing the sombrero with a sombrero <laughs> and, like, the flag fighting a Mexican flag. Fonico-Mexican boxer on Cinco de Mayo. That's the uh, level of, of heel Pat is right now.
2: Wow, wow. Okay.
3: Sorry, I had to get that off my system, so I, I apologize. I, I sent the floor back to Mr. O'Dowd.
2: Well, thank you. So, it's funny... The way I the way I kind of played this out when I sent you guys the rundown, and I did do I did do a little shuffling around a little bit because the problem that I had as I sat and tried to work on this rundown is I didn't want to put too many thoughts in the rundown and and just kind of I don't know just set it up too much. I wanted the conversation to flow naturally. There's really the 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 big like arguments and stuff. We'll we'll get to those towards the end. The topic that Tony brought up right before we went to break. I want us to put a pin on that to the very end cuz I'm going to I just want to talk about what's next a, as kind of how we wrap this up. Uh but before we get into that I thought we'd at least get into a little background here. So I think the first thing that's really important is that contrary to popular belief like I'm a Star Wars fan, I love Star Wars. I think we all love Star Wars, right? We're all big fans. Tony's wearing a hoodie. Ray Ray's got the the nod, he you know uh Dave Dave's nodding. So I I thought we'd start By just, you know, doing a once around the room, what's your first recollection or memory of Star Wars? And Ray, I'm going to let I'm going to let the referee kick this one off.
3: Well, I'm glad you did, because my story is actually interesting and a bit sad. But um, my father left when I was two years old and I don't have any relationship with him, basically. But I've had two moments where um, I was almost forced to be around him. Um, so when I was nine, ten years old, you said forced. I mean, look if I'm not if I'm not a, if I'm not grown and I get that's forced like, on a plane like in life,
4: that's like when this, the the force makes something happen. You're forced to do it.
3: do You get it? Sorry. I got you. I got you. That, that was that was that was that was that was a pretty pretty bad joke. But I appreciate I appreciate the <laughs> situation. Yeah, the audience. Said- uh, Oh, we don't we don't get one of oh, there I go. We don't get one of these for that. Um anyway. Next next um, week
2: you gotta take those cue cards and put a like highlight them in black Sharpie so that they show up on your camera better.
4: I'm gonna have oh, to find I'll more, more real ones. audience feelings.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but um so uh one of the two times I spent significant time around them, I was going on 10, and I can't remember which one of them, but one of the new Trilogies of uh, the prequel trilogies was out, and I remember that's one of the only good memories I have with my dad is him taking me and my little brother that I didn't know I had till I got to Phoenix, um, and uh, going and us going to see Star Wars and kind of bonding over that for a couple of days. So that is my first time ever really caring about the product and that led me to go watch all the other ones and i watched all the rest of the prequel and then i went back to the originals and then of course the new trilogy i was in it i've theater for every one of them uh but that is my first uh memory of star wars yeah dave
1: well my first memory was uh probably something that i don't know if you guys can join me on this one but it was seeing the movie in the theaters in 1977 um i went with my sister I know, like, we had gone to, like, a doctor's, I had, like, gone to a doctor's, and my mom dropped us off at the movies, and we watched this thing called Star Wars, and this is kind of before it really had developed a lot of the buzz. I mean, there was a little bit of buzz around it, but it, certainly nothing like it was going to turn into later that year, and I mean, yeah, that, <laughs> in 1977, seeing that movie, it was, um, it was a mind-blowing experience, because you just, you know. You hadn't seen anything. I mean, the extent of special effects were like Jaws and shit like that back then. And then to see that opening, the opening scrawl, you know, that's become so iconic. And then that first scene with that ship coming over with that Star Destroyer, uh, that was something else. And I mean, that's my first memory. And it was just that was it from there. I was hooked
2: for me. It was 1983 uh, and going to see Jedi At the, like I was five years old when Jedi came out uh you know and had watched you know knew of the movies it was really before everybody had a vcr like vcrs were still in their infancy you still had the big like vcr beta debate going on back then but i distinctly remember being in the movie theater and that the theater had either dressed up a worker or had hired somebody to walk around the theater as darth vader uh just before the movie started And, and what's funny is kind of a a prelude of what you would see for years to come when you would go to a star Wars premiere that, you know, there's always people in costume or whatever. Well, there, they had hired a guy to be Darth Vader walking around, uh, prior to the movie starting. And that's like, I don't remember seeing the movie itself. Like, I don't remember much cause I was five, but I definitely remember Darth Vader walking around a theater and, whether it's just that's seared in my brain like him walking up the middle uh, walking up an aisle and him being there and uh i think like a lot of people as a kid i wore out those those original trilogy tapes um like a lot of other children from the 80s did i used to in the snow when it would snow in illinois we had this yard it was a very You know, big yard, not a lot of trees, nice and flat. And I would pretend that I was on Hoth with a tauntaun in my snowsuit, running around reenacting the opening sequence of Empire Strikes Back. I used to take all my stuffed animals, blankets, pillows and shit, and would shove them off of my bed to reenact the trash compactor scene from A New Hope would like fall underneath the covers and act like I was Luke Skywalker being caught and trying to say that my mom used to get so pissed because we'd have to like put my room back together. (laughs) And I mean, those movies completely captured my imagination and have been a part of me ever since. And I would argue are a pretty strong part of my identity, which is why, you know, I think that any of these fans, like, I think that's why we feel so strongly about it rightful you know when we're right and when we're wrong
4: can i hit this one real quick patrick and i'll just spin at the end on that last topic you wanted to bring up and let you guys run the gambit here um i think dave knows that i am very much connected to the jedi side of this story in a way that most people don't know if dave knows what i'm talking about
1: Uh, i probably do but i don't remember it (laughs) in in in
4: real life as far as how the names of the Jedis go. Oh,
1: you'll have to explain PC. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well, there you go. That's the,
4: anyway, um, I, I love the movies. I think they're great. I grown up with them, everything else. I was born in the early eighties. I've seen all the new ones in the movie theaters. I went back and watched the other ones in the movie theaters, but you know, to me, it's, it's just, it's just something that's like, it's like Christmas or Easter or anything else it's just this extra thing that when it comes along and it's usually once a year or every other year it's like a holiday it's like something you're drawn to do and, and drawn to go out and be about right you're part of a community you're part of a society and that's been the main thing as far as star wars has been the storytelling on top of it is, is really just a for me.
2: and and yeah and so dave i think you hit it on hit on it best when you talked about when a new hope hit theaters, it was unlike anything anybody had ever seen before, particularly when you talk about like special effects, whether you're talking about the screen crawl, that ship, and sound like its use of sound at the time as well was just unbelievable. And for me, I think the best image that i that, that I ever took away from from the theaters that that really blew my mind was when the first time you see on a big screen the jump to light speed, right when the lines on the light like the the stars all turn into lines and it just kind of blows your mind and the you know you go back and you look at the the work that george lucas did in making those movie those movies in that it was not only not only was it a a space fantasy but it was a it was a western it was a samurai film it was you know a a chosen hero kind of that boy hero trope that we would see from humble beginnings you know you get that heroic development journey as as somebody who has a mentor loses their mentor and has to then face you know some impending evil to to help you know destroy it and bring it down and it's a very simple and wonderful story into that trilogy and it really captures a lot of imagination Uh, I think that there's a generational divide a lot of times when it comes to preferred movies, uh, when it comes to it. And I think it's really interesting as we'll get into all of the Star Wars movies I don't like. um, But there are diehards for all three trilogies. PCs. I wanted to shut up
4: the rest of the way. But what a great setup into listening us talk about Star Wars movies is we'll get into
1: all the movies I don't like. Right, right. <laughs> which is but the majority.
2: It is the majority, actually. It's not even. It, it, well, hold on, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Anyway, back to back to my thought. There, there stands for all three trilogies, though, and it's been a very generational sort of thing. Like I think that, like I think that there's an appreciation for many of them, but I think that there's a a bigger connection. Like I see people who are you know like Ray you described. You saw. The new the the prequel trilogies when you were like ten or one of them, right?
3: It was Phantom Menace, I believe, is what it was.
2: Phantom Menace. I see a lot of people out of that generation who stand by that prequel trilogy as amazing.
3: I love them. I love them. And, yeah, and I can't stand with them.
2: them. Yeah. yeah. Like and I can't stand them. I appreciate them, but I can't stand them. Go ahead, Ray. I'm going I'm I'm to, let I'm me, saying. let
1: me step back and be the ref right now. I'll let you defend this.
2: No, this isn't even about picking a fight. This is about, it's like Saturday night live. Saturday sure. night live. I see to be a very generational show. And then sure. what I see happen a lot of and T- Tony's disagreeing with me. I can already see it in his face. Uh, as he says, I'm going to be the studio audience. And then I say things that provoke him. And he's like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> my, my point here is, is, that there comes a point where, I think that you you can lose a little bit of a connection to that that com- that comedy like in Saturday Night Live. like I remember when Saturday Night Live stopped being relevant to me and for me it was post Adam Sandler David Spade that that era far and I think and their
3: best group. years were right after them with Tina Fey and Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler so you absolutely and that right. Is,
2: and that is not a knock on Tina Fey amy poehler or anything like that but like i don't connect to the comedy i watched the show that they just did after the election with chapelle because i wanted to hear chapelle talk mm-hmm. but the comedy itself like as i watched the sketches i, I was like i guess i get it like i like it's okay but i didn't love it and i didn't feel the connection to it and, and that's kind of where i go with it but you're we'll, going we'll, way too deep we'll, right cover, we'll cover this well, on what? the special edition comedy show <laughs> of bandwagon nerds that will be coming in the future because i
1: want to i want to ask ray something because this is kind of the impression that i've gotten being you know because patrick and i and one thing we're going to agree on is that we love the original trilogy and i don't think there's any dispute about that that resonates with us a lot of the people like your generation ray who i've met who look at the prequel trilogy and they don't really they don't really see what the big deal is about the original trilogy they're like yeah, the special effects are kind of dated. I'm not really sure what the big deal is. Did you ever feel that way when you know when you were watching stuff, or, or how did how did you reconcile that? Here, so reference what, everything
4: real quick. No, I just want to get for the audience. This is important. Dave, you graduated high school in
1: eighty
2: seven.
4: Patrick, you graduated high school in
2: ninety
4: six. I graduated high school in ninety nine. Ray, you graduated high school in two thousand
1: five. Child.
3: So yeah. I, I, you, you graduated high school in 87. I was born in 88. So yes. Um
1: thanks, Ray. Appreciate that.
3: I, I, I yeah, still love you though. Still Ooh. love you though. Um it it definitely is. I am I am a child of the computer generation, very mm-hmm. much so. And we are I I I'm I'm an 80s baby by nature because I'm born in the 80s, but I'm a child of the 90s. And so there was so much of a technology technological shift in the 90s that I am very um, jaded when it comes to things like that. It's hard for me to go back and watch older movies of those sorts. So I've gone back, and I, Empire Strikes Back is the best. Um, is right. the best Star Wars movie. It's not, it's not even close. But the graphics hurt it for me. Because it. I don't even need it to look real. I needed to not look fake. And right. like you can tell very clearly, like, I, I'm sure when they came out, this is the greatest thing you could have ever imagined. I I wasn't that kid. I was the kid who grew up in a different era. Like, Darth Maul, like, it took me a while to understand why Darth Vader was, like, the baddest of the bad. Because Darth Maul was the coolest shit I've ever seen. Right? Right. Well, and to, I, a, and to a lot of fans, was, even oh,
2: in my generation, Darth Maul, like, the image of Darth Maul in that trailer is you're like whoa double lightsaber like holy shit on his head let's let's
1: be honest darth vader does not have the most intimidating look of any character you know i mean he never did really
2: oh i disagree with that i think it's 77 when he's coming out and he's a towering figure choking bitches left and right the respirator was cool
3: but I and, agree with that, and I think I think with with Darth Vader, what it is more about more than any other character in Star Wars is is that his presence is yes. so domineering. One thousand
2: percent. And here's the, one of my favorite newer movies, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on this show. That I've gone back to. Yes, and James Earl Jones's voice is is a huge part of why that character is so great. I I, I make no bones about how I love Rogue One as a movie. And and the reason I love Rogue One is because it is a throwback to the original trilogy. D- like without a doubt. That scene in that hallway when that red lightsaber shows up and Vader starts mowing people down chills. Every like in the movie theater like tears in my eyes. So excited for that. Because you really and, never
1: got a chance to see Vader In all of his glory, in that costume, that outfit, because he
2: was always, yeah, and and it's it is it is a result of the time that it's very much like he's he's a slow, menacing sort of figure, a la a Michael Myers.
1: I was just thinking, a
2: la an original Jason Voorhees, or not even Jason Voorhees. Um, Jason could count, but you know, even Mom at Camp Crystal Lake in in Friday the Thirteenth, it's that slow stalker sort of character, which was mm-hmm. the character of the time because mm-hmm. it could do. Um, Ray, I think you you segued very nicely because the other sort of foundational thing I wanted to set for everyone, and the little O'Dowd is with you by the way. Little O'Dowd appreciates the original trilogy, and he watched those first. I I actually, because I had the opportunity to show him them first. I made him watch the original trilogy first before we went he's back to the prequels and then, you know, did the later ones. But he he's he's much more into the prequel trilogy and the last 3 because he's part of that technology generation. And well, can, he's used can, to like Oh, go ahead.
3: I'm sorry. I w- I want to flip it in a way that everybody can understand. Sure. If you are interested in In a person you're interested in male female or whatever the case is initially your interest has to come from attraction of some sort because you don't know the person right it's one thing to be attracted to a person for them to get you interested it's like going to a bookstore and buying a book based off the cover and then once you read it it breeds a different level of of appreciation so what hurts the original star wars trilogy from people of my ilk is the look Takes you off, but when you watch the movies again, I just I'm very happy to say that uh, five and six are two of the best Star Wars movies out there. You know what I mean? Story and uh, I don't have anything against New storytelling, Hope.
1: storytelling Story right, right? Storytelling,
3: yeah, storytelling. I have nothing against New Hope, but like five and six hits you in a different way. I think in the in the in the overarching world of Star Wars, and I just set off Patrick for the first time in this
2: i mean if this was a wrestling match this is the part where you're pulling me out of the corner as i'm wailing on dave and i'm arguing with you as i push you down and and we get our first ref bump of the day i'm good with that i i i am okay with six i don't think it's a good movie uh okay. in, in the scope but like i like it uh and you know we i think we've ranked our our favorite i, I think we've ranked our star wars movies in the past dave on this show uh, and six is in the top half for me, but it's in the bottom half, bottom part of its top, top, uh, top half of those rankings. But you segue nicely because you said Empire is the best the best film. Best film versus favorite film, because I think those can be two different things. Your favorite Star Wars movie, and it could be any of them. I'll go first. Mine. For me, yeah, I'll Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Mine's, mine's Empire with without even without even a second thought, it strikes back. Favorite. Same. Right. But same Dave. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. Favorite, 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 not necessarily best. So I, I think those are two. Menace. Phantom Phantom Menace?
4: Yeah. Literally. Seriously. Dave's heard that for me before. I have.
3: I'm, I may have to agree with Tony that Phantom Menace might be my favorite because, but again, it's that nostalgia factor. That's the first one I've never watched.
2: Sure. Here's the other thing that I'll say about the original trilogies before I spend the end of the show tearing them down. If there's one thing that George Lucas, I appreciate it out of him as a filmmaker. Because he's a terrible writer. He's a terrible writer. His, His best scripts are the ones that have been punched up. But his willingness to embrace technology moved film forward. And The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith are all three beautifully done films from the perspective of embracing and taking on new technologies. The first real films to go completely digital. Before James Cameron went all Avatar and did what he did, George Lucas paved the way. And if it's not for industrial Light magic, who knows where we are in the world of special effects? Do we have Weta Digital... If we don't have ILM. No. Right. And that's George Lucas. And you have George Lucas to thank for that. Regardless of terrible movies he's made like Strange Magic and Howard the Duck.
1: (laughs) Hey, man. Howard the Duck's a classic. Duck
3: tits. (laughs) That's one thing I don't care. I don't care what the year is, what the age is. I will never, ever get Howard the Duck. It just will. I just. That doesn't work for me, brother. No, I never saw the movie, but I've read some of the comics and I just, it, that doesn't work for me, brother. I don't get it. it. y'all really, yeah, can have it, it. it.
2: Someday, when you're just feeling low about the world and you want to feel better about yourself, watch Howard the Duck.
3: <laughs> wow. And wonder, so, wow. That's come to pick me up.
2: Dude, that movie's bad. Like, I think it's hilarious. Like, I love to watch it in a in a Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of way, but you can't protect that movie. Like, you just can't. Leah Thompson hooks up with a fucking duck.
3: Well, that was the way of the 80s, wasn't it? Or, I don't know if that was 70s or He's 80s, yelling? but again... He's well, was the way of the '80s. I mean, Roger Rabbit and uh, Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. That's the, That was the way. Uh, this yeah, is I this mean, I is the way. Have... Is that
1: what
2: you're saying, Ray?
3: This is the way. I say that
2: when um, Lori Petty in the movie Tank Girl, like she hooked up with like kangaroo people. That was in the early '90s.
3: Well, and 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 then you know Guillermo del Toro, I believe, brought it back when he had a woman fuck a fish. So hey, that's true.
1: Boy, this this, this is going episode really fun. took a a strange turn.
3: <laughs> so.
2: Dave, I'm actually going to defer to you on this because this is one of the things that I think has been amazing about where you see Star Wars as a trailblazing, trailblazing franchise. Whether it's these, um, the the use of special effects, you know, one of the greatest scores of all time. Just um, you know, I look at the original three, and and I think that the thing I love about the original three is that there are nods to other genres, and that there are love letters to those. Where the the prequels kind of get away from that, and it bothers me. Uh, but the other thing that I've always found fascinating, whether you like it or you loathe it, and, and I'm depending on the franchise, I'm kind of a tweener in this regard, the expanded universe, because there's just so much and, you know, and Disney killed a lot of it when they took over Star Wars, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Dave? Uh,
1: it's, it's hard to tell how much of it they gutted, how much of it they made canon, how much of it is somewhere <laughs>
2: undefined um i mean i think i think you could safely say that a lot of the animated series that you've talked about are definitely canon yes clone like wars, clone wars rebels, rebels for sure um,
1: is there, are those the only two uh there's like forces of destiny which i think is kind of considered canon but no one's watched it um that sort of thing i think <laughs> you know i i think uh maybe some of the video games uh like you know knights of the old republic which was not my number one yeah. ranked video game you know, I think that's been considered canon in some respects. Um, and then there's, all the, novel, there's all the novels. There's all the novels. And, you know, I mean, and there's some. But I mean, the thing is that, yeah, what's canon and what's not? We were just talking about this yesterday. Like in, in the older extended universe, you know, before Disney took over, Han and Leia have three kids, you know. OK, right. that's not anywhere in the movies. Luke and Mara Jade's relationship is massively important. Before Disney got but you know, because Luke's going down the same path that Anakin went down, that like father, like son, falls in love, has kids. You know, Mara Jade was sent to assassinate Luke because she was uh, a loyalist to the Emperor. I don't think we're going to get any of that. And I don't know if that's been gutted from the whole thing. I mean, you know, one of the. Yeah, the only.
2: I, I have largely avoided the expanded universe stuff, written stuff. I would say that. Like, we're watching Clone Wars right now, me and the little O'Dowd are. Yeah. There's only one series of novels, and this is a quite popular one. I know we've talked about this. That's Timothy Zahn's Thrawn books. Yeah. Grand Admiral the Thrawn, Heir to the Empire. Heir to the Empire and all of that. What we talked about this, we, we were talking about the remnants of the Empire in The Mandalorian. One of the things that I really appreciated about Heir to the Empire in that trilogy was that Timothy Zahn was like, yo two significant folks in a major battle. And maybe a war was, was won on some level in the sense that the empire is breaking apart. There are like the empire covered a galaxy. Like you covered a galaxy. That means there's tons of folks still around out there. Like when, right. when those two die, does it really end? And, and grand Admiral Thrawn was one of the arguments for no. And there's a healthy legion of people,
1: myself included, who will go to their grave saying heir to the empire, the Thrawn trilogy, that should have been the sequel trilogy. That's what they should have done. And it would have been better. And and as much, as much as we're going to disagree on certain points, I would go way out there and say that would have been much better than what we got. If they had gone in that. Now I will say this, had they not done like 20 years or more between the end of Jedi and force awakens, I think they might've gone in that direction, but once Mark Hamill got older, once, you know, Harrison Ford got older, once Carrie Fisher got older, that was off the table and they had to, they had to call an audible.
2: And I think it's really important to note, note Harrison Ford appreciates his role that he had as part of star Wars, but no, no other actor from those movies worked as hard as Harrison Ford did to get the fuck out of star Wars, (laughs) kill off his own character. Yeah. (laughs) He wanted he wanted Han I think I think I broke Ray there for a second that, is awesome. yeah, you no, broke that was also that's, that's
3: hilarious but it's
1: true. It's, it's true. Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, he he wanted Han to die in Return of the Jedi. He want a, and he only agreed to come back so that he could die in The Force Awakens. Like yeah, And then he gets a
1: cameo in rise. So it's like <laughs> Right.
2: Yeah. Actually, of some of the problems I have with Rise of Skywalker that is not a problem I have with Rise of Skywalker. No. Um, but we'll get to that. So what So, what are our thoughts about an expanded universe? What What does it actually do? Because I, I do see both sides of the coin. Like I see for all the good that you get out of like the Thrawn trilogy, there's a lot of bad, especially in novelizations. Because the other thing that we like, George Lucas was a genius in his ownership of a license that took off like crazy he was also all too willing to let anything be licensed as a star wars thing uh which led to some really 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 bad stuff led to some really 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 bad comics some really good comics too like like i won't say that there aren't good stuff out there but if you want to read something truly truly horrible read the 1977 marvel comics star wars stuff it's bad Yeah, uh, conversely, you want to read something that's really
1: good, read like the recent Marvel Star Wars series or Marvel's Vader series, which are fantastic.
2: Well, but think about where we are now under what umbrella we're under. Who owns Marvel? Who owns Star Wars? Disney. There you go.
3: The House of Mouse. The House of Mouse.
2: And I think that's that's one of the things that Disney's done pretty well is that Disney has taken at least a, a, a unified umbrella. For for what's happening, I mean, I think the
1: expanded universe—dare I say—is is too big um, because there's just been too much of it done. Like you're saying, license free reign was given to a lot of things, and for a while, it was all considered canon. And some of it was better than others, and you just got lost in a lot of stuff. And, and I mean, it, it creates opportunities for people to tell stories, sure. But as we know, some people are better at telling stories than others. Um, you know, you I can- think I think they've kind of streamlined things a little bit more now. So it's not, you know, not like branching in twenty five different directions. You only have to go a little bit off the beaten path to find what you're looking for. But go ahead, Ray.
3: Can can I can I jump in here real quick? It's interesting to me the conversation about an expanded universe because diehards always have a different feeling about an expanded universe than than a casual fan. Because diehards want everything to matter. I Die, want diehards want everything to not only matter but to can canonically. Is that all right? Close you enough. Ka- Chronologically matter.
2: No, I think like he's talking canon. But, yeah. You're talking canon, right? Like this is this is a thing that is a part of the universe. Canonized. You guys at home
3: pre- pre- Canonized, pretend yeah. I said that right. Yes. But that form, that matter, right? But I think we have to sit back and take a step back and realize everything shouldn't matter. It doesn't have to matter as long as the ultimate goal gets the same place. And I'll see you the MCU for the same reason. You don't have to watch every movie of the MCU to understand what happens in the big ones. Man, nothing yeah. about Ant-Man. Oh, no, go, ahead.
2: go ahead. I agree with you strongly. Continue your thoughts. Yes. Um,
3: nothing about Ant-Man is 100%. I cannot understand what's happening in this movie when you see Endgame. The Quantum Realm is important, but he explains it in Endgame. Right? Or Infinity War, whichever one he's in. I can't remember the two. It's the, Infinity game. War. Endgame. You're Endgame. Right. Endgame. Okay, you yeah. Trust, trust you know your mean? instinct, sir. You're on it. You're a nerd. Thank you. I'm, well, you know, I'm, trying, you, I'm making a good uh, point uh, on uh, a, and a uh, point I don't know. <laughs> but ultimately, I think we've been very, very um, spoiled in the regards that we think everything should matter. But ultimately, I don't think everything should matter as long as the main points and stories end up in the same in the same place right uh so with the expanded universe that that star wars has we know what the main the main story in canon is it's the skywalker saga and all those other stories are relevant the galaxy is huge all this stuff could be happening at the same time so i don't think i don't think it all i, I, I don't think it all has to be lock in step okay well this happened and in the year 20,045. But you know what? We can't say this happened in 20,046 because this was said to be... In, I don't think that matters, personally.
2: <laughs> wants the, to the say The studio something. audience wants to participate. The studio please. audience wants Keep to participate, quiet. yeah. Right, Here, here's my... Here's one of my biggest overarching arguments as to what drives me crazy with the Star Wars films and the star wars film universe versus what you just described in marvel it's not so much that there's an expanded universe that exists it's that you need that expanded universe to fill in gaps within a movie in the star wars universe at times and when that is the case that is bad storytelling out of a film and so One of the points that I, I, added some points from the agenda that I sent you, but one of the points that I wrote and that we're going to talk about is that John Favreau has succeeded where JJ Abrams failed. Because when you watch the Mandalorian, you don't have to have watched clone mm-hmm. wars. You don't have to have watched rebels necessarily to understand that Ahsoka to is important.
3: Mm-hmm. I haven't and watched any like,
2: of that. and And that's the thing is, but you know that this is a person that's important and that they're a Jedi. And you can continue to watch the show. Now, what may happen is that you may go back after discovering this character through the show and be like, hey, I'm interested in this character. I wonder if there's more about them. And go check Rebels out, Clone Wars or whatever. And that to me is a better connection than when we have to make a movie where shit happened and then backfill it to explain how we got to where we got to. And that is ultimately where we're going to get to when I tear down rise of Skywalker. no, we're not, I'm not going to let this go because it's also a terrible movie, but we're going to get into, uh, we're, we're going to get into to some hot takes on this, but I think an expanded universe, believe it or not, is good when it's done in the way that we're describing here. The Mandalorian is Expanded Universe, right? Clone Wars is Expanded Universe. Good stuff. I haven't watched Rebels. I've heard good things. The other thing I appreciate about Clone Wars and Rebels, well, Rebels more than Clone Wars. Rebels actually tell stories of people that are outside of the Skywalkers. And that is the other sort of anchor that has weighed down Star Wars trilogies to this point. And, And we'll talk about, you know, what now what next you know with that as well the other piece of this is um you know with the uh, the side movies that they've done like rogue one and solo i would argue solo less so they're expanded universe movies though like they grow an existing story but don't need to be watched to understand the general story or to put pieces together and that is what a good expanded universe does
1: well, like, yeah, I think like with Mandalorian, no, you don't have to have watched Clone Wars or Rebels to know who Ahsoka Tano is or have it be hugely important. But for those of people who have, it's going to be even more important.
2: But it's, yeah, it's an Easter egg the other way. But what I'm saying is you don't, when building the story, you got to build for the Ray Cash, not the David Unkar. Like, <laughs> like, does that make sense? Like, I'm not like, that's yeah. not a knock on both.
3: Right. Right. I there, mean, are, there are some movies you literally have to stop because you're like, I don't understand anything's happening because I didn't see this. Right. And you don't have to do that with Mandalorian for part- in particular.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I I agree with that. That's true.
3: Okay.
2: So let's let's start fighting in earnest here. So I titled this this uh, this next bullet: Patrick's hot takes set off Dave and Ray. <laughs> Thank you,
1: studio audience.
2: We're going to talk about the nine trilogy movies. So, episodes one through nine. We are going to take the two, what I would argue, expanded universe films out of the equation. I would argue, of those nine, three are truly good movies. One, two, three, four. And these aren't the episodes, these are the number of. Mm. are not good movies and two are in the middle hmm. dave and overall and here's the thing again going to reaffirm love these movies watch them all as in terms of like i have an affection for star wars three of them are truly good movies
1: i would probably say
2: four of them are mad two of them are bad
1: i would say five are good to great and the other oh, four are good to great. Yeah. Good to great. And the other four are okay. I mean, I don't think there's any bad Star Wars movies. I think the four oh, that I'm thinking stop. of are. All
2: right. So let's, let's get, let's get what we agree upon out of the way. Well, let's, so, let's hear what
1: Ray, I want to hear what Ray says, you know, before we go, let's see how, how does he break out the nine? I've, I've, so, we,
3: so you want to get the referee's biases I, out of the way? Is that what you're
1: I just want to see what he thinks.
3: I, I don't think there's a bad Star Wars movie because I, I think bad denotes unwatchable. None of them are unwatchable. They all have a purpose. Sure. So I don't think that's, that's there's what one, I There's
2: one bad. Star Wars movie that I get angry when I watch it.
3: We know that. Yes. <laughs> we we, yeah. we, we like, we're very aware of that. Yeah. And
2: get worried every <laughs> time I watch it. So let's Dave, let's let's knock out the movies we agree upon as good. or as well, you said, good to great.
1: I mean I would say so I think- Go ahead. New Hope and Empire. Those are the easy ones. Okay, Get those out of the way. I think Jedi is a good movie.
2: I think it's an okay movie.
1: Okay. The studio audience is looking like they're siding with you. Um, I think Revenge of the Sith is a good movie.
2: I'm okay with that. Yep.
1: And I think um, I would put Force Awakens as a good movie.
2: You are not correct on that, sir. (laughs) Um, I actually lied. I did my math wrong because there's a fourth one that I, I think is good. So we'll we'll flip it back. So about half, um, I will walk back my original statement because I like um, the Last Jedi. That's right. I would say it's I I wouldn't call it great, but I would call it good.
1: Good to great. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then the other four that I had were a notch below that. I'd say.
2: See, I hate the Phantom Menace. I hate Attack of the Clones as films. I loathe. Like if I if I loathe the Force uh not The Force Awakens, I loathe um uh, The Last Jedi, as we all know. No, you like and The I, Last Jedi.
1: You loathe, the rise, the, of Skywalker. Skywalker. I loathe
2: the rise of Skywalker. I've been drinking. Um and then I dislike uh pretty intensely The Force
3: Awakens. I don't like The Force Awakens very much at all.
2: Because I think it's lazy.
1: All right. Anyway. I mean,
3: but but so, doesn't doesn't by nature the first movie of a trilogy have to be? To set the story? It doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be lazy. Well, you, didn't say that, was, you didn't say it was bad. You said it was lazy. That's a dramatic difference.
2: Well, it's not good if it's lazy. It's poorly written. It's the exact same story as A New Hope. If I'd wanted to see A New Hope, I'd just rewatch A New Hope.
1: See, I don't I don't but see it's, that at all.
2: It, it, it's <laughs> I don't see it either it's because it's rebuilding a story. It's it's woman Luke Skywalker joining a rebellion, finding looking for a Jedi mentor. Now, she doesn't have that. You have a darth vader clone uh the only thing they did is introduce an emperor earlier than they did in the other one you've got so you don't like old, formulas
3: you don't like formulaic setups. I, so I, I
2: i have a friend that i played dungeons and dragons with um who Talks about circular storytelling and, and talks about how the first of each of the three trilogies is circular story storytelling in the sense of the heroic journey. There's a a person from humble beginnings who is going to rise to be a hero, uh, which is true. It sir, there's circular storytelling and then there's repeating the same damn thing. I mean, they literally blow up basically a Death Star, except it's a bigger Death Star, shaped like a planet. Where they have to take out a port to blow it up, it's the same fucking it just is. <laughs> right. And the mentor and the mentor that is found is Han Solo, who is killed in Force Awakens, a la Obi Wan Kenobi being killed in A New Hope, a la Qui Gon Jinn being killed in Phantom Menace.
1: But
3: it's
2: so. So
1: go
3: ahead, Ray. I was gonna say, do you hate the cutting, the getting the arm cut off thing too? You hate
2: that? Oh God, I'm tired of the arm getting cut off. Okay, like it's true. No tropes are dumb. Trope tropes are lazy. tropes are easy.
1: I I don't see Force Awakens being a a redo of New Hope. I will say this though, after watching after watching Rise of Skywalker again, I I will say this that I still like the movie much more than Patrick Sorry does. But to me. Rise of Skywalker is is more of a redo of Return of the Jedi than Force Awakens is a redo of, of New Hope.
2: What? Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? What? That, uh,
1: Rise of Skywalker <laughs> is a redo of Return of the Jedi. You, you're talking about drawing parallels, okay? Let's see the same... some
2: parallels. Let,
1: okay, so you've got the Emperor who's trying to turn Rey to the dark side, like he's trying to turn Luke to the dark side.
2: Not really he's trying to absorb her
1: well he wants her to be with him so that she can become the new empress at least but he wants
2: to possess her it's not like he wants her to be like he doesn't try like he tries to turn luke wow i can't believe we're having this
1: fight okay go ahead no and then and then you know she stands up to him and, and she's basically rescued by you know ben who's the same kind of way that luke rescued or darth vader rescued his son so I I see more parallels in Rise of Skywalker to Return of the Jedi than I do seeing Force Awakens as just a a new coat of paint on New Hope. I I, I never have seen that.
3: Wow,
2: I mean you're wrong, but okay. Uh, where's Death Star Part Two? Like it's you know it's a fleet of whatever that's going to launch its attack well, on the like galaxy. The, as the end of, the, of the end
1: of Rise of Skywalker. Everybody's celebrating on this forest moon. That's a carbon copy of uh, Return of the Jedi. I mean the celebration is almost put them up next to each other.
2: Basically we're making the same argument about how different movies are trash just with different movies. (laughs) That's that's awesome.
1: I don't think it's trash. I just, I, you know, watching it back. I'm like, there's a lot of similarities at the end of that.
2: Things don't make any goddamn sense in Rise of Skywalker. That's the thing that drives me crazy with Rise of Skywalker. All of a sudden there's just shit that exists in Rise of Skywalker. It's the same thing with, um, with the force awakens Where, like, we've got this map, and it was. I also had this problem in Attack of the Clones, right? Where we have this map with like this tiny missing piece, like this giant fucking map with this tiny missing piece, and we can't figure out where the fuck that last piece is. Like, the only way you can find it is on this thing that R2D2 has. There's this magical Sith planet that's existed for centuries that everybody seems to fucking know about, but nobody knows where to find it. And everybody's just like, oh, yeah, like literally random people in the resistance being like, yeah, that planet that has the Sith, like, they we should go stop that. Legends, man. What?
1: Legends, rumors, innuendo. That's all it is. What the
2: fuck is that? Nobody's it's talking a about big. it. For nine goddamn movies, we get to movie nine before we're finally like, oh, yeah, that planet. Maybe we should go look at that.
3: The it's Emperor's just galaxy. not dead. There's a big galaxy. It's a big ass galaxy. Well, people
2: know about it. It's not that it's a big galaxy. It's that people know about this place. Like they talk about it, about it. About and it. Heard people heard
3: about it. People know
2: about it. it. They yeah. don't speak about it like, oh, I heard about it. They're like, yeah, this place. Like, yeah, you know, Luke spent his whole life trying to find this place. Oh, yeah, he's been looking for that. You know, and you got fucking Lando. Just like, yeah, I was helping Luke look for this thing. I'm just not going to tell anybody that he was looking for this place. I'm just going to hide here. And not tell anybody because fuck you all. Like, come on. These are the, really the
1: problems you have with this movie.
2: The Emperor I, I, just has kids out of nowhere. The Emperor didn't die. And no,
1: we the didn't, Emperor there there and are, so are a lot of Calvin gaps. Was dead. Huh? Well, whatever. Was that a clone or were, did they rescue him from the wreckage of uh, the Death Star? I, no one knows. It, That's one of the mysteries. I, I give you he's that.
2: Living, and he's been living in secret all along. You create a character like Snoke to make completely worthless by showing just clone after clone of Snoke. You show this fucking group of clone people who just happen to be, or not clone people, I'm sorry, um, the remnant First Order people just chilling on this planet that happens to be around where they need to go to find the remnants of the old Death Star. Like, it's just dumb beyond dumb you you had fake killing Chewbacca because reasons like they, and it's just that show that Ray was not you in head, control of her powers. You,
1: That's why you have,
2: but no, you you have head fake killing Chewbacca. There's no weight to that problem if Chewbacca doesn't die. You have C3PO give this emotional speech about I want to say I want to look one last time on my friends and then fucking R2D2 is like I gotta back up bleep and you're fine like. Where were the stakes? There were no stakes by the time it's all done. Like there's just nothing for it. You don't feel like you've accomplished anything. And it's terribly put together. It's just a lot of shit thrown at a wall, and you're just supposed to accept it because of reasons. Every That's not you know, good every story. Star
1: Destroyer had planet killing capabilities. Those are pretty high stakes.
2: They didn't they, they just had it? They just We've been making these for years. Well, if you
1: look at the gap between Jedi and when this happens, 40 years, that's a lot of time to develop super massive planet killing Star Destroyers.
2: Secretly on a planet that people know about that Luke Skywalker. That nobody can
1: find because they didn't have the waypoints. That people know about that
2: Luke Skywalker was looking for. That Lando Calrissian knew how to find, but kept quiet for however God knows long that he was.
1: Lando didn't know how to find it.
2: Lando gave them. Lando knew anyway. He knew that he'd been
1: with Luke looking for it on that ship, but he didn't know how to get to Esegal. Exactly. The only way they knew how to get there was they tracked Ray. Once she got the waypoint and went there. Then they knew how to get there. But up until then, Kylo's the only one who had gotten there, apparently. There's only two of them, remember?
2: Two of the Because reasons. Like basically you've talked yourself You see, this is this is where I think we differ. I'm not willing to embrace that just accepted that this is what was like that. We went and did this thing like that to me, I think is really what bothers me with, with rise of Skywalker is that time after time, there's just, it just is, it's not that there was any, there was no real battle for it. And then they're, they're like, don't even get me started on the Ray Kylo relationship. That, That's the part me, that I expected
3: for you to yeah, have a problem with. I that, can understand.
2: Is like you what th- this is. Well, see, Star Wars and JJ Abrams decided to listen to fan complaining and fan hopes. Because there was this weird like we want Kylo and Ray to be together, fuck Finn. Um, even though they worked really hard in the first movie of the original trilogy to create a relationship between the two of them. Then they had to dumb it down. Then they shoehorned Kelly Marie Marie Tran in two, which is my ultimate problem. With the second that movie, it's not so much the that character was, was this. We we have to create this character to create a, a love triangle, not really love triangle thing and a worthless casino story. That's that's the only part of. Oh, can can we get into the complaints last about Jedi. Last
1: Jedi? Can I can I get well, into you? It?
2: I mean, you're wrong, but it's OK.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm wrong yeah.
2: here.
1: Patrick already yeah, knows this. On. All, All right. Me, so let's let see. see. My three complaints about Last Jedi. One is, okay. yes, the whole side quest involving Rose and Finn oh, was superfluous I'll, I'll as shit. See that easily. Um, I didn't. My biggest problem with Last Jedi is they turned Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master, into this whiny bitch of a person. And I couldn't stand the way they portrayed them.
2: See, I, I disagree with calling him a whiny bitch. I think he's somebody who's burdened by a mistake. Like, and, and he is feeling regret for what happened to Kylo and realized it or in his own mind felt like he had to hide from the world because uh, of his failure as a teacher.
3: All right, maybe. Well, may 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 I may, I, may, please, may right. I real quick, just real quick, I want to back Dave up on this one point. He's a whiny bitch do? because he made one mistake, but he was the one person that could fix it and he ran away. That's whiny bitch territory. The
1: studio audience looks like they're wanting to say something. I think we should uh let them...
3: <laughs>
1: I, and, and my, I think the biggest problem I had with Last Jedi... I mean, Luke is... I understand being conflicted. I didn't agree with the way they portrayed him. This is the Last Jedi up until Rey. But the thing with Snoke really bothered me that this supreme leader who can sense all this shit and is supposedly so powerful can't sense a lightsaber about to cut into him. I... It just, that just bothered the shit out of me.
2: Yeah. But I mean, you can make the same argument about Palpatine at the end of Jedi. Like there's one thing about evil that I think has been a trope within the star Wars universe. It's and that dumb. is its utter oh, lack sorry. of, it's utter lack of humility when it comes to its moments of triumph, arrogance, like one of my favorite lines in a new hope is evacuate In our moment of triumph. I think you overestimate their chances that's really what I get out of Snoke. Snoke is exalting in the power that he has and that he's, that he's putting on. He thinks that Kylo is firmly in his corner and is not ready for the betrayal.
5: Right. And okay.
2: well, I mean, perhaps the, the, the problems that I have with Ray as a character in, in just sort of the land of OP, um, because, because there's a, there's a funny joke where, you know, you look at the prequel trilogy and it's like, to be able to be trained for a Jedi, you got to be like, train since you're an infant to then the original trilogy of star Wars where Luke Skywalker's in his twenties and basically spends a little time on Dagobah and Jedi. And then you get to Ray and Rey, no teacher <laughs> and can do like lightsaber shit in the force awakens before going to quote unquote train with Luke Skywalker. Now, whether you want to argue that she's a child of the force or whatever, who knows, but it yeah. is it is a funny little thing to laugh at. All the way around. I think you can see that
1: they are but, they are um, anomalies in the force. The three main Anakin, Luke, Ray, kind of right. anomalous as far as the whole so, thing. So, but I mean, here's another similarity between Rise of Skywalker and last in uh, Return of the Jedi um, is that at the end Ben is redeemed the same way that Vader is.
2: Yeah. I will, I will agree with the redemption story. Um, they're all, they're all, it's all of them. I feel, I feel like the redemption arc is a little bit of a different field than Vader though. Well, it is. And I
1: mean, they're all three. Well, not so much the prequel trilogy. There is no hero's journey. It just ends badly. Um, but the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy are about the hero's journey. It's just that in the first one, Luke is the hero. And in the sequel, if there's a p- good complaint to make about rise of skywalkers, you shoehorned in Ben's redemption story wrapped around. And he's a secondary character to Ray,
2: which is, which is hilarious to me because I think Kylo Ren is the best character of the, of the second trilogy. He is. I he's think the most conflicted for sure. Crow, yeah. He's the best. Yeah. I, I, studio I, I audience, agree.
4: Studio audience has a question and it's for both Patrick and Dave. If you could change one thing, in star wars lore without affecting the overall main storyline what is that one thing
2: for me it's kylo and ray having any sort of relationship beyond like i the, the kiss bugs the shit out of me like get rid of the romantic overtone yet still have the connection between the two wow like that's the thing is yeah like like, I would have loved to have seen a bonded rival sort of thing, a la Xavier and Magneto, where they are close but in conflict within eventually Kylo being redeemed. Is she as really opposed, to Kylo as much as she's drawn to the Force, though, in that way? It's it's hard to know. Like, you know, I've seen some people argue that, I that it was like a last act of like, you know, she knows he's dying, so you know, love him. I don't know. I just, I didn't like it. It it really felt against the grain of a story they'd been telling. They had a
1: complex relationship, the entire trilogy. I mean, and, and wrestling with a lot of different issues. So if I was going to change one thing, Tony, I would say I would have not cast Anakin as a nine year old kid in Phantom Menace. I would have, I would have moved him into a teenager and I would have shortened the gap between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones because Phantom Menace suffered. I know it's your favorite, and that's fine. Phantom Menace suffered because Jake Lloyd was a weak fucking actor. And no,
2: well, see, that that's that's thought, bad that, casting. That's not the character. But but
1: they could have
4: if in they. If, in, that, in that same line of thought, what if you tell the same story but with a 15, 16 year old? Right. That's what I'm saying. I would have I would have made Anakin a teenager. Oh, angry he would get right. Yeah. I like think you could shut that off
1: more. I mean there's there's what? There's this big 10-year gap between the time that Obi-Wan takes Anakin and Phantom Menace before we see him again in Attack of the Clones. I would have shortened that down and compressed it. Um cuz I just think like Pat said it, it was bad casting, it was a difficult story. They made Phantom Menace so kid-friendly that which
2: which I, I actually get.
1: I I get it, but for older people, you know, older fans it's like I want to see something like the end of Phantom Menace. I have no problems with the the fight with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan so, and Maul. So, you,
2: so what are you describing it as an AEW Obi-Wan, fan watching WWE?
1: WWE? No. What if they made it more about Obi-Wan and
4: left him as a kid? Like Obi-Wan is the one that he, maybe there should have been more Obi-Wan guidance as far as Anakin was concerned in that episode. For those of you that were disappointed with said episode. Right.
2: And, and I, I and think I, this kind of goes it? back to one of the things that I, I brought up very early when we had this conversation. I think the Skywalker storyline was an anchor to the prequel trilogy, which I, I guess for me was an unnecessary trilogy. That's I guess that's the thing is I would have rather we never worry about 1, 2, and 3 and go right into 7, 8, and 9. Because for fans like myself and Dave, And fans who loved Star Wars for years, which is where the hype train comes from, we know, or we have an idea of what that story is going to be, right? And we know how it's going to end. Like, we know it can't end well. And so to go back in time to tell the story of how he got there, the weight of that fall for Anakin is, is not as strongly felt unless the story and the writing needs to be, and George Lucas just wasn't a good writer. And so, and that's the thing is, if you look at why Empire Strikes Back was so good, Lucas wrote a framework, but he didn't write the script. Like, it got changed and altered.
4: To argue as far as father time goes, how right. about but if you, done seven eight and nine earlier to better have harrison ford and you know mark hamill and everybody else too, especially if he if lucas had stuck to we could do a lot more with that
1: if lucas had stuck to to his original plan it was supposed to be nine movies i mean that was his original plan they weren't supposed to have what was it from 83 to what 99 16 years between um right between the 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 end of the original and the start of the prequel trilogy, you know, th- if he'd stuck with his original plan, then I think we're having a completely different conversation about what seven, eight, and nine would have looked like, and what what two or three probably would have looked like.
2: What's really fascinating, if you have the time, I I like to read a lot of biographies. Uh, as sort of like when I'm not reading fiction, I read biographies, and I read a it was actually a Spielberg biography. Because George Lucas and Steven Spielberg are very close. Very good friends. I think this, this is a well-known thing in Hollywood. One of the things that was really interesting in reading this, bio, it was a Spielberg biography and a George Lucas biography, they both talk about how burned out George Lucas was after Jedi. And that was what led to the gap, is that he was so burned out from doing those movies that he didn't want to touch them. A- and kind of walked back on that eventual prequel until he kind of got the bug back. And when he got the bug back, I, ultimately my biggest problem with the original, with the, the prequel trilogy is George Lucas had no one to reign him in as a writer and a director. And the reason a lot of film people talk about how good empire is Because George Lucas didn't direct that movie, and George Lucas's script was punched up and reworked to be far less cumbersome in the making of the film, and you see that in the final result. And one of the things that I think could have made Clone Wars, or I'm sorry, yeah, um, Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace, and Revenge of the Sith so much better is if those scripts were just less clunky it's so reliant on the language that he established in a new hope and that's okay because i like that that was that was this thing that made the universe unique but it was just so it was plodding it was slow and phantom menace the scenes in the senate just drag on and on the even the phantom Men- or even revenge of the sith which is the one of the three that i really enjoy could art it could be argued that really it's because of one climactic scene the battle at the end yeah you know, the the two lightsaber duels that everybody's waiting for, which is still the are, best. Those it, are
1: crazy. It's the best lightsaber fight in the entire nine movies. And he, even taking into the uh, sequel trilogy, it's it's the Anakin Obi-Wan oh, yeah. show because there's real emotion involved because, you know, like you're saying earlier, Pat, you know how it's going to end. You just don't know how you get there. And right. so you're taking on that journey while that's going on. It's like, how does this end badly for Anakin? Because you think he's got the advantage over Obi-Wan in just about every way. Younger, stronger, you know, that sort of thing.
2: And, and but he doesn't have the high ground.
1: Doesn't have the high ground. That's right. Don't try it. <laughs>
2: okay. So what's next? And now I want to get into to Tani's question. Uh, and what I really hope for Star Wars coming forward. And what I've heard, and if rumor rumors to be believed, is true. Get away from the Skywalkers. That's what I want to happen next. I want a story about the star Wars universe involving like, that's why I like the Mandalorian. Skywalker's nowhere near this thing at all. And take that weight, that responsibility off the shoulders, take the Jedi off of the responsibility. I think that's part of
1: what you think they can do a star Wars trilogy without the Jedi being involved.
2: I don't think they, I don't think they need the Jedi to be the focus. And the central theme of the story like that's all three trilogies that we've had so far. It's been all about the Jedi, the force and like prophecy and and that sort of thing. You have this whole world out there. There's other shit going on. We're proving with the Mandalorian that Jedi can be like we haven't seen a Jedi yet. We're not going to see a Jedi until maybe 12 episodes into a show. There's enough universe out there to tell a meaningful star Wars story where the Jedi are there, but aren't the story. And that's what I want to see out of another star Wars film. I mean, I,
1: what have, no, I'm not disagreeing with you, Pat. I'm just saying that. I
2: know, but you you had this like sigh. You're like,
1: I'm just, I'm not sure like (laughs) where they go. Are they going to do stuff that happens after, um, rise of Skywalker? Or are they going to start telling like old Republic sort of stories, which would be Jedi central. Huh?
2: Or even stuff during. There are other parts of the rebellion, right? Sure. Like we see celebrations all over the galaxy at the end of at the end of episode tell six.
1: Many planets, all of them, with their own unique issues with the rule of the Empire.
2: You know what? I'd even be okay with a Boba Fett story. Like if you're going to tell it, tell it. You're going to you're going to
1: get that in the Mandalorian, so you don't have to worry Maybe. about it.
3: Can Can I ask a question? Of course, and I'm, can. And I'm, I'm sorry. Well, Tony, go ahead. Tony, go ahead. You go first. Remember your
4: question. I got you. If the biggest thing that's happening right now is the Mandalorian and Disney is creating these movies and they're going to do a trilogy anyway, why not go backwards? Like, is there any interest going forwards really for anything specifically? Not in my mind. So why not tell the old Mandalorian lore? Have a Mandalorian trilogy about the wars of what happened because you're already telling this story. You're already drawing people towards it. So... That's kind of where my mind is drifting from.
1: It's a bigger challenge, I think, going forward, because you're going to have the shadow of the Skywalker legacy cast over you if you go forward from Rise. If you, if go, you, backwards, go, backwards
4: with, if you go backwards, especially in, in centralized Mandalorian lore, you include the Sith and the Jedi, and you explain a little bit more of the introduction into right. 1, 2, and 3, and why 4, 5, and 6 are so and gigantic.
1: There's a healthy there's history. A whole- of the Sith and the Jedi that hasn't really been explored in detail yet that they can really get deep into and kind of satisfy everybody, create new characters that, you know, people will get into. I mean, I I would like to see them get away from the Jedi being central as well, but I just I don't know if they can or if they're going to have the courage to do that.
2: That might be the better statement. Do they have the courage to do that? Ray, you, you uh, get back in there.
3: Um, and I want to, before I ask my question, I want to make a point to your point. I disagree with all of you. I think that the way to go is going forward for this one reason. For this one reason, number one, well, two reasons. One, Disney wants to put their stamp on Star Wars. They've done that very well by doing the Mandalorian. It's different than anything that's done. Secondly, I think the easiest thing going forward in terms of making revenue is creating new characters. That's the reason why this third trilogy worked. That's the reason why of the 10 highest grossing movies ever, two of them, maybe even three, are of these last three trilogy movies because of the new characters, right? So I think if they create new characters, create new lore, add to something different, it's gonna be a lot easier for new people. And maybe not the diehards, but you you always gonna y'all are always gonna watch. We're always gonna be involved in some form or fashion. You wanna get new blood, you wanna get new business, new dollars. New stories, I think, is how they accomplish that goal. But I'll give you guys a chance to respond with my question. My question is if all of you are so willing and, and ready to see the Jedi not be such as the story, doesn't that mean that the Empire can't be either? They're literally one one and the same. They're yeah, two sides it, of a different coin.
4: It's all included the entire storyline is included if you go backwards because of, of what we're experiencing right now in Disney+, which is the central point of the Star Wars universe, and then mm-hmm. it's always been Jedi versus Sith, basically. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. Jedi and Sith and go backwards, and you include the old Mandalorian lore, where almost the Mandalorians are the ones that were in charge of everything, basically.
3: Mm-hmm. I what agree, we- but why can't you add new things? Why can't you create new things? I guess somewhere...
4: In the early '80s, we lost y'all.
3: <laughs>
2: so, Ray, here's my thing: is I, I think the challenge for me moving forward is that it's really about what are you trying to establish moving forward? Like, what are, are we going to speak? Because to me, when I look at this, I again I look at this as a, as a universe thing, and this is you talked about the empire uh, as this, you know, this sort of ever present organization. One of my other problems with the new trilogy is that we basically had the empire, but we didn't have the empire. Uh, And so the real challenge for me is about the story you're going to tell. And is it rebuilding some sort of structure to the galaxy? Is it reestablishing? Like what is the dark power that that we're combating? What is the protagonist? What is the antagonist? Uh, and, And it just, it's a very challenging movie to make. I'm not saying it's a movie that can't be made, but I'd, I'd really i think if you go forward i want something forward in time that is a small story a la if we were to do this in marvel terms spider-man or ant-man
3: where it's a secondary story to a major No, i
2: don't even know that secondary market. is the right word word but just a localized story
4: it's going to be a lot harder okay. to create a blockbuster trilogy in the future than it is in the
3: past Period. I, 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 can't, I can't disagree with that more because it doesn't matter if you have Star Wars with Ray Cash, PC, Tunney, Patrick O'Dowd, and David Ungar as the main characters. It's a Star Wars movie. You're instantly getting as $500 long, million. As dollars long as be. I get, get the, the red lightsaber and the dark cloak, I'm cool. Yeah. I got the grape. I got the grape one because, you know, black people. Purple. You're um, you're sorry, go, go ahead.
4: Episode nine. If you're going to go forward from episode nine, it's going to be real hard to be in the near future.
3: I don't think it should be near future. I'm just saying it does – I don't think so much And and – I'm sorry. Forgive me for getting on my high horse and giving this diatribe. I don't mean to speak Dude, negatively. Dude, I, of, I waited endless.
2: for how long on Rise of Skywalker? You're fine. You, the platform is yours.
3: You did. But I think the biggest issue with entertainment, especially with specialized entertainment like a sci-fi realm or a comic realm and things like that, is nostalgia. Nostalgia is – is oh, yeah. while it is the biggest driver of revenue, it is the biggest hindrance to change and to new business. Because all we want to see is the stuff we liked, or the stuff we knew, or the stuff we read. You are you are alienating such a huge amount of fans by continuing to go back to this old stuff. And I don't, I'm not saying the old stuff shouldn't be shouldn't be encouraged to be read, or you shouldn't even have movies or or visual cues from the old stuff. Do that. I think that's fantastic. But I don't think you should alienate or or put a kibosh on going forward with new things and creating new stories and new characters and new ideas. And if if the if the, if the empire is over, which turned into the first order, and the first order is over, well, what's next? We don't have any more Jedi's. Well, who are the new guys? I don't think we should have to go back to figure that out. I think we can create something new and be just as lucrative and interesting. And that's all I'm saying, because so much of what we want to do as a fan base is, well, that's cool. Well, again, to go back to Marvel. Well, you know what? We got the the X-Men back in the Fantastic Four. Let's do Dark Phoenix again. No, what is next? What's new? Give me something different. And that's all I'm saying. And I think Star Wars is a perfect situation for that, because the overwhelming majority of fans have never read the books or have never seen Rebels or, or Clone Wars. I haven't. Mandalorian is brand new to me, so now I'm ready to see some new shit, because Mandalorian feels like new shit to me, whereas to you guys, it's falling right, lock, and step, because you've read and seen everything.
4: Well, I appreciate you agreeing with me after all that being said, because I would also like to see some new shit from the Mandalorians, which happened in the past when they were in between going back and forth with the Sith and the Jedi. Thanks, Ray. Cash I, I like how this band- was supposed
1: we're to be there. me against Patrick and now it's turned into Tunny against Ray. Right. I know.
2: The Tunny, audience the, under- the audience
3: in the referee buddy. I
2: was I was we're, I was we're, about we're, to say,
3: we're, we're the Ricky Steamboard versus we're, Macho Man. Go ahead.
2: In <laughs> in wrestling parlance, by the way, that moment right there was I got in the referee's face. Because he wouldn't let me do something, and instead of him backing down this time, he did the the Earl Hebner point in my chest and yell at me to where I and heel back down. all am uh, Mr. Perfect, like I, I, I'm like, hey, 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 I'm just I'm okay, okay. Hey, you're you're getting serious now. So, <laughs> there, the the thing is, is that Star Wars is going to make money no matter what. We're probably yeah. all going to watch it. I think that that's absolutely true. And. I'm just interested in a star Wars story without the, without, like I said before, the anchor of the Skywalker saga. And so of course, whatever happens next is going to be great. And I think we can all agree that rise of Skywalker is a piece of trash movie and we can move on to Patrick O'Dowd has a question. Oh, look who got the last word. That's right. who this man. That's right. Thank you.
3: Oh, you're like Roger Goodell at the draft now. Yeah, come on,
2: bring it on, guys. I'm the heel hell, yeah. So, completely off of our Star Wars thing, which is funny because we've been doing nothing but Star Wars all day. I was listening to the radio a couple days ago. And as this pandemic has gone on, uh, what I found really interesting is some of the things that have made a resurgence uh, amongst populations that have become popular that were – that were actually probably popular when I was a kid. Uh, and one of the things that I saw was this uh, radio show was interviewing a guy who appraises uh, collectibles and memorabilia, and they were talking about sports cards. And so as a kid, I don't know about the two of you, Dave, Tony, uh, Ray, I don't know if any of you did. I was big into the, the collecting baseball card thing as a child. Like I had – I was a Don Russ guy. Uh, through and through you know but i still bought tops fleer score bowman uh, and really was hardcore into it until the market sort of got stupid when upper deck kind of fucked everything up Uh, because upper deck was the one that started the premium baseball card thing and so i'm not saying it's got to be baseball cards but first of all just a real quick go around is this a just me thing or did you all have anything similar like that? That's something that like when you were a kid, you were all about the collecting. Cause for me it was baseball cards and comic books. Yeah.
1: I, I, I'll go
2: go ahead, ahead, Dave.
1: I mean, I collected like all the cards, like not just baseball, like football, hockey, basketball, baseball, <laughs> um, and comics were big, you know? And, uh, I won't call them dolls. Let's just say action figures, superhero action figures back in the day. You know, I, I collected a lot of those.
2: <laughs> old enough to remember old gi joe aren't you yeah
1: yeah and the old captain america stuff and, and uh, balls. yeah i mean action figures yeah, action figures stretch armstrong for the win that sort of thing so <laughs> interesting
4: honey um, go
2: ahead yeah oh sorry Dave. i,
4: I just want to say if you guys ever want to have a relationship with me in the future i am currently pausing the packer game with 225 to go after they punted to the jaguars uh, only up four. So please do not tell me the conclusion of this game. I've just paused it on my television to pay more attention to this podcast. So that being said.
3: Oh, damn, no, they did it. Yeah, <laughs> right. I had to. I had to. i
4: had to from from 3, man. We watched oh, we'll the record. All right. Uh, my most famous trade ever is the Bo Jackson black and white card to my cousin for the Mark McGuire Olympic rookie card.
2: Oh, uh, nice. Big you time. stole time. you stole my question though what's that? I hadn't asked the question yet. I was just going around asking if people collected like if that was something you did um, but no go ahead
4: i i I did I, I collected a lot of stuff all baseball cards, a little bit of basketball, not really football. Um, just loved it me and a buddy of mine actually came up with a game with our basketball cards where you would shuffle up you you'd pick so many. That you had in your collection. Then you'd shuffle them up and deal them out. And then you'd have to play three seasons against each other. And you'd have to go by in order the stats on their seasons. And you'd get to pick the start and end date. And oh, you'd cool. get seven game series through each uh, three seasons. So it was kind of
3: like a, a basketball card uh, fantasy game.
2: Nice. Ray, nice. what about you, man? Did you do any collecting?
3: That's another level of nerd shit. Wow. that's I'm impressed. Um, I did. Yes, I had. Baseball cards and football and basketball cards. I can't tell you what I had because it was kind of a hand me down passed on to me. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you have to remember the, the age range I am. I collected very heavily Pokemon cards. Oh, yeah. That's, I had the that, whole That actually st- took it I over. Had them yeah, all.
2: yeah Pokemon I had them cards, all. Yu Gi Oh! That was a big one I remember for a while as well. Um, I, we
3: would even buy them from Japan. Like it was yep. real. Right. Um, So here's my question
2: of your collection. What was your Holy grail? Most prized card that you were the most proud of that you had, whether it was your Pokemon cards, your baseball cards for me. um, I was always proud. I love Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly was like my favorite baseball player of all time in the eighties. That was not a St. Louis Cardinal. And I will never forget. I loved him so much because he led the league in doubles three years in a row. I tell this story all the time. My favorite Holy Grail baseball card that I ever owned, and it's not the most valuable card out there, was a 1984 Topps Don Mattingly rookie card that nice. I still have to this day.
3: Fantastic. That's that's dope. Wow. Rookie.
2: Yep. I also have this autographed Stan Musial baseball. Tony's got a baseball, too. What do you got there, man?
4: Well, this isn't my most impressive thing. It was just the closest thing, and it was in a plastic bag. This is a Billy Bean signed baseball.
2: Very cool. Changes Uh, the game. Moneyball is a great book to read, by the way.
4: So my stepdad, his father, so my step-grandfather, his cousin was a photographer. And she took a lot of pictures. And I'm not able to get up and bring it here to show you at this moment in time. But you can ask DP. Um, I have a picture of Hank Aaron batting and hitting the ball and the bat splitting in two with the ball and two pieces of the bat in the picture, and Johnny Bench is catching. Wow. I have that picture. Um, so I also have a Robin Yount signed baseball and uh, a couple other things that are pretty fun Packer-wise. Nothing crazy, though, otherwise.
1: I don't remember any of the cards I had. <laughs> the, thing I, the thing I remember having, though, like I really, like my prize position it was like, it's like I don't know if you remember this, Pat. They used to make these real the comic books like really big, like really big versions <laughs> of this. And I had the Superman versus Muhammad Ali comic, and that yes. was, that was my prized possession when I was a kid. That thing was awesome. I mean, that and I think I had the Superman versus the Flash as well. It was like a race, and they raced to the end of the universe or some crazy shit like that. It was nuts. So those those are the ones that stand out to me. The cards I had so many of them that I think like my I had like an Elvin Hayes card that stood out to me from the washington bullets back when cool. you know the bullets were good
3: nice. a
1: long time ago
3: <laughs> um in terms of cards um i can't remember, like i said i don't remember any of the sports cards but i had a japanese Mew. and if you know anything about the pokemon lore like that's that's a, that was a nice card but in terms of my prized possession in terms of anything like that uh dave mentioned, uh, action figures i had the original uh megazord but all of the individual zords that you put together to make the megazord and i had the dragon zord with it and i had titus so i had the whole set and like yeah like everybody on the block would come to the house to play with the megazord to this day people still ask me do i have it so yeah that like that was my baby
1: i gotta tell i gotta tell you guys a story because this is a star wars centric episode so when I first watched in Star Wars, that's when they came out with the Kenner. Remember the figures that all came out and everybody was all into them Boba Fett wasn't available with the first batch that came out. But you could get a Boba yep. Fett action figure if you collected like an, in the days when you used to like eat cereal, like Cocoa Puffs and shit like that. And you yep. would cut out the thing and send them in. And I got a Boba Fett action figure before he was available in the stores. And that was that was a prized possession.
2: So it's funny you bring that up. And here's how we're going to end this conversation. If you want to check out a pretty neat show, it's a documentary show on Netflix. It's a show called uh, The Toys That Made Us. And there's two seasons out there. And these shows dedicate every episode to a different toy line in its history. And in the first season, they do an episode on the Kenner Star Wars figures. And they spend a significant amount of time talking about the Holy grail of Kenner star Wars figures, which is the Boba Fett with the fireable rocket, which is some believe to be urban legend. It has been found like one or two of them here or there, but the show itself is a lot of fun to read or to watch and go and worth checking out. So if you, if you're looking for something to watch the toys that made us two seasons, it's on Netflix. They have an episode dedicated to wrestling figures they have an episode dedicated to G.I. Joe, the Transformers. I think um, My Little Pony, uh, Barbie is on there, Lego. Like, it's really good, Um, and it's really interesting. Hello Kitty, of all things, which I would have never thought of uh, to check out. So check that out. And with that, we're going to call it. That will do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we go, gentlemen, let's go around the room, tell everybody where they can find us. Uh, On the social media this week, we will start with Mr. PC Tunney.
4: You can find me watching fourth and 26 for the Packers defense right now (laughs) um, against the Jaguars of four at PC Tunney all over the chair shot dot com pro wrestling tees dot com forward
3: slash the chair shot. Great cash. Uh you can find me football wise tonight watching Sunday Night Football. Hopefully Lamar Jackson throws 17 touchdowns, but it won't happen. But in terms of Twitter at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as a Mysterio, C A S H as in Dollars, Outsiders Edge, C S outsiders Edge, check us out.
1: You can find me at hashtag PC Tunny as a brony. And uh that's kind of where <laughs> <laughs> what? no you could find hey, me no at-
3: shame in your game tony that's no right shame in your game you could
1: find me uh i'm still watching somehow washington has come back and tied this ridiculous game up i have no idea how uh but you can find you me on what? twitter at attitudeag that is at attitude agg and on facebook.com slash attitude of aggression
2: and you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch Bandwagon Nerds every Monday on the shot.com. You can also catch me every Wednesday on The Greg DeMarco Show, where I talk wrestling with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales. Please, please, please also follow the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account at Bandwagon Nerds. And this week, if you follow, tell us who won the argument. Tell us who was right. Was it Patrick O'Dowd? Was it David Ungar? We all know I was right. Was it but PC Tunney? Was it, it Ray
1: Cash there at the end? Who,
2: who won the great showdown between PC Tunney and Ray Cash? Star Wars always gets the juices flowing. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Get yourself out of the basement. Get yourself onto Disney Disney+. Fire up some Star Wars and just embrace it. May the force be with you. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com.
6: I'm Mike Richards, the executive producer of Jeopardy. Over the weekend, we lost our beloved host, Alex Trebek. This is an enormous loss for our staff and crew, for his family, and for his millions of fans. He loved this show and everything it stood for in fact he taped his final episodes less than two weeks ago he will forever be an inspiration for his constant desire to learn his kindness and for his love of his family we will air his final 35 episodes as they were shot that's what he wanted On behalf of everyone here at Jeopardy, thank you for everything, Alex. This is Jeopardy. This is Jeopardy. Susan Cole is from Bowie, Maryland, and her favorite type of music is something I've never heard of, but it doesn't sound like fun.
4: I think it's very fun. It's called nerdcore hip-hop. Nerdcore hip-hop. Yeah, it's uh, people who identify as nerdy, rapping about the things they love, video games, science fiction, having a hard time meeting romantic partners, you know. (laughs) It's really catchy and fun.
6: Losers, in other words. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Buy a chopper and have a doctor on speed dial, I guess. Mad city. Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Young money militia, and I am the commissioner. You don't want to start wheezy, because the F is for finisher. Panda, 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 panda. They mad, they ain't famous. They mad, they still nameless. But we still hood famous. Yeah, we still hood famous. I was just getting into this rap thing. I'm not too good at it, but I was getting into it.
5: were real i used to wonder about that myself thought it was a bunch of mumbo jumbo a magical power holding together good and evil the dark side and the light
6: kid i've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other i've seen a lot of strange
3: stuff but i've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force controlling everything there's no mystical energy field controls my destiny
5: crazy thing is Then you're my enemy.
3: Only a Sith
6: deals in absolutes. Obi-Wan never told
3: you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I. your feelings, you know it to be true.